We are hosting today's broadcast from the lands of the Karingai people. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Reynolds inside to Mam on the last. Ezra Mam throws a dummy. No way. Oh, what a ball. Oh, oh, oh. A magic ball to Adam Reynolds. Breaks here for Tullio. That'll do it, surely. His work goes underreported, but not undervalued by those Mariners fans. Oh, field goal. Hides to make it 13. It's bounced through. It's only Nico Hides can do that. Low cross comes in. Castagna. Overnight scores, expert comment and controversy on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. And good morning everyone, I'm Ray Thomas and welcome to the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. We've got a big three hour show coming up, always my favourite time of the week. Dean Ritchie, good morning. Had some great footy, some great racing. The Live Golf, how good has it been? Good morning Dino. Yeah, good morning Ray Boy, good morning everybody. Been a great couple of days of sport. Lots of league action, lots of drama. Golf was good. And, of course, yesterday, mm. I believe the Hawkesbury race meeting Ooh. is one of your, if not the, favourite days on the racing calendar. My favourite, yeah. Why? Close to home. Ah, you're a good man. <laughs> and the, oh, I like the track. I, I like the ambience here. The food's good, Dino. They, they spoil you. <laughs> okay, so hang on. Before we get into the show, we have duck pancakes... At, At Rose, Rose Hill. Hill. Yes. Ramwick slips back a peg or two, doesn't it, to sandwiches? <laughs> I hope they're not listening, yeah. So what did we have yesterday? What um, did they spoil you with? And I must say, your buttons are getting a bit tight too, mate. Okay. Um, Got to say, probably the best chicken schnitzel <laughs> you can ever find. Chicken schnitzel. It's unbelievable. Air sauce? Uh, yeah, a little bit of gravy. Yeah, <laughs> some chips and some veggies. It was just fantastic. And then um, that's... That's a freebie too for the media. And then you pay extra for anything else. And I got a little cream brulee, which came highly recommended and was outstanding. <laughs> was Richie Callender there? He was, yeah. Did I he destroy his schnitzel? I uh, didn't see him there. I went very early before the, the first race or just after the first race. But um, it certainly it makes you <laughs> can't wait for the next Hawkesbury standalone <laughs> in 12 months. Well, listen, Ray, <coughs> excuse me, now that we're on the races, we might as well dig straight into them. What do you reckon, mate? Hawkesbury Guineas, Hawkesbury Crown, Hawkesbury Cup. Mm. We had a great day out there. Great day. And I tell you what, Dean, I, um, I think we saw some potential, I hate to say Group 1 stars, but horses who are capable of going a long, long way. Hawaii 5-0 being one. Outstanding. Exploded. the Guineas. And this is a horse who's a full brother to Libertini. And he's always promised a lot, but wet tracks have just hampered his career so far. Yesterday on a track, it was soft five, which was improving during the course of the afternoon. He was explosive. And I know they weren't the absolute A-graders, obviously, because we're out of carnival time now, but he's a really, really good horse with a huge future. Princess Grace won the Hawkesbury crown. She's an American mare who is a multiple stakes winner in America, has been bought by Newgate to race down here, eventually go to stud. 
she won the Hawkesbury Crown in highly impressive style and in the manner which suggests she could go on to bigger and better things. And then we saw a horse called New Mandate win the Hawkesbury impressive. Cup, a multiple stakes winner in England, um, who was sent down to Chris Waller to train, and, and he was dominant in the Hawkesbury Cup. The two-year-old race was won by a horse called Zardozzi. In fact, right through the day, you could make a case for each and every winner will go on and do bigger and better things. It was that sort of meeting, and I think the quality really shone through. And one of our guests later, we hope, is young Hannah Williams. Great story, Tell Hannah. us why she's coming on the yeah. show. She'd never ridden a Sydney Saturday winner before. Now, the Hawkesbury meeting, as being a standalone, had metropolitan status, so it's effectively... Um, wins go towards the Sydney Premiership. She only had two rides yesterday. Two winners, Dino. Fantastic. And in one of those wins, she beat the great James McDonald, the world's best jockey. She sailed by. So just really happy young girl, 24 years old. It's just great stuff. And we'll talk to her a bit later. Hey, Dino, I want to talk to you about the footy. How about this round so far? Thursday night, an absolute... Epic game, Rabbitohs 20, Panthers 18. On Friday, the Broncos, they're looking good, 26-16 over the Eels up there in Darwin. And then uh, yesterday, another two very interesting games, the Sharks 33, Bulldogs 20. Got home to see most of the second half of that one. The Sharks always looked in control. Then the Cowboys had a much-needed win, 18-16 over a luckless uh, Knights, but a cracking game at Townsville. We say it each and every week, Dinner. How good is the footy? Yeah, amazing. Just seems this year, Ray. Maybe it's me, but even like the status of each game well, has why increased. Is it, Dino? Is it, it feels like every game's got a bit of an origin feel to it. Has the comp just levelled up or something? I don't know. I mean, all eight games, yeah. every round now seems to have this incredible intensity. When the old days, you might have got three or four, and other games just fell away. Mm. But yeah, I was impressed on uh, Thursday night. Wonderful game. The Bunnies, two tries in the final five minutes. Oh. Latrell again, some beautiful touches. Dagger to the heart. <laughs> it was a killer for Pan- uh, the Panthers fans, wasn't it, Ray? Mm. I thought they were home. But the controversy yet again, Ray, is this wretched hip drop tackle. Oh, dear. And I don't know where to go with it because I'm confused. I know what a hip drop tackle is, but some of the penalties and sin binnings for mm. alleged hip drops... I can't see there's anything wrong with those tackles. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I am genuinely confused as to what constitutes a hip drop tackle. I reckon a lot of our listeners probably had the same view. And if you do, or if you've got a view on hip drops, call us on 135353, SMS 0419767272. On hip drops, Dino, difficult question for you. The Payne Haas incident on RCG. Firstly, Regan Regan Campbell-Gillard, how long will he be out for? Uh, It was first feared, yeah, Yeah. he had fractured his hip. But he has told friends that that's not the case. It's a bad groin injury, though. And at the moment, he's looking at eight to 12 weeks, which obviously takes him out of origin. Terrible news for Parramatta, yeah, um, who are just starting to build... Did the bunker blink? And I mean that with the Payne Haas incident because they'd sent... Um, a play to the sin bin only a couple of minutes earlier. So the Broncos were down to 12 men. Did the bunker blink on Payne Haas? Oh, you could argue that, Ray. Ezra Mann had already gone, a man had gone to the sin bin, as had Jermaine Hopgood. The Hopgood one was just ridiculous. Mm. I mean, seriously, why are we setting blokes to the sin bin mm. for that? Look, in the end, Payne Haas was charged, Ray. He's looking at one to two weeks. So the match review committee thought it's serious enough, but on field, 
they It was did. just play on, wasn't it? I mean, mm. Isaiah Yo yesterday comes out and says, I feel the referees don't know sometimes. Mm. Uh, Brad Arthur says, why was one sent to the bin and not another? Trent Robinson came out yesterday, said the hip drop has, quote-unquote, gone too far. So even the coaches and players are confused, and we have to sort it out. Because blokes are going the sin bin, Ray. It's costing their side's victory, mm. and that, in the end, will cost a coach's job. You've watched a lot of football over the best part of nearly 40 years, Dino, professionally. Not that it, old, Ray. Okay, sorry. Give 30 years? Break. 30 that, years better. Okay. Um, the hip drop. Uh, isn't it a lot of the times just gravity? Like, tell me, tell, what is a hip drop to you? And uh, you mentioned referees have gone too far, but is it just the normal tackle motion? Look, there is a difference between a deliberate hip drop, and I'm not suggesting any player goes out to do it deliberately. When a player grabs around the hips and drops significantly and quickly mm. to the ground and hits the leg of their opponent, it crushes the leg. We don't want to see that, obviously. But as you said, quite rightly, I do believe if you're going for a tackle, gravity takes you to the ground. They're trying to eradicate every injury in the game, Ray, and I applaud that. We don't want injuries. But you can't do it. It's mm. a fierce, physical, confrontational game. Injuries are going to happen. And in tackles, when there's three, four in the tackle sometimes, bodies get in positions they're not supposed to be, and injuries occur. It's part of the game. We just have to accept it and stop trying to eradicate and make it this clean game where no one gets injured. Mm. It's not going to happen. I will say, at least with um, the RCG incident, as bad as it was, it didn't influence the game. The Broncos in that first half in Darwin were absolutely brilliant. 26-16 over the Eels. It's fair to say the Broncos the real deal in 2023. I filled in on the Big Sports Breakfast Friday, Ray, and I said to Wally Lewis, who was a guest, mm. contenders or pretenders? Mm. He obviously said contenders. And as much as I've thought in the first five, six weeks that they can't do any damage, I'm now starting to think that they are up there with the Penrith and the South Sydneys, you know, and the Cronullas, the Parramatta's, all the great teams, Melbourne Storm. I think they're as good a chance as any to win this premiership. Yeah, I only sent you a text on Friday night, midway through the second half. Too big, too fast, too strong. They've got some um, tremendously powerful forwards. Payne Haas is the speed. best prop in the game. Got speed. But their pace, Ezra Mann is bringing off the mark. Um, Reese Walsh at the back. They've got two of the best centres in the competition who are strong, powerful and fast. Real They've deal. got strike right across the, Absolutely. across the park. Real deal. Look, solid win yesterday to the Sharks too, Ray. It keeps them ticking along. Uh, Will Kennedy, three tries. And then, importantly, Kalen Ponga, mm. back last night. Good to Had see some him, nice man. touches. His 100th game. Cowboys bounce back, as you said. The dumbest moment of the game, though, Murray Taolungi. <laughs> uh, Sinbin for a, a late hit on Dane Gagai. There wasn't much in it, if you're brought up in the old days, Ray, mm. but in the current climate, he went to the bin. They scored two tries. Fortunately, the Cowboys came back to pinch the game. Uh, but full credit to the Knights. Again, they're showing plenty of resilience this year. Exactly. I want to get on to um, the Ashes squad in a sec, but just a couple of games today. Dolphins play Titans at 2 o'clock. West Tigers play Manly at 4.05pm. Then on Tuesday, a couple of huge games on Anzac Day. The traditional Roosters-Dragons game at 4 o'clock and Storm versus Warriors at 7pm. Before we get to the Ashes squad, then just quickly, Jack White, and what's the latest? Yeah, decision probably to be made this coming week. Uh, where he goes depends on who you talk to, right? Yeah. If you speak to the Raiders, they are quietly 
confident he will stay. Mm. Uh, my gut feeling suggests he will go to the Rabbitohs, but he also met with Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins late last week. So it's a three-man shootout or a three-club shootout. I hope he stays in that there are some players you just want to be one club mm. legends. And I'd like to see Jack Whiten fulfil that role, just like a Tom Trebojevic did or a, a Peter Sterling. There are some blokes going back in time where yeah. you just think that's where you belong. But if South get him, it gives them one hell of a back line. And the Warriors stared a big name. Roger Tuovasa-Shek, yes. back to rugby league. As I said the other day, Ray, they all come back. You did say that. And yeah. quite clearly, Roger Tuovasa-Shek doesn't share Hamish McLennan's one-dimensional cell. Come and see the world, he says. Play rugby. Mm. What about the game, Hamish? Come and see the world. <laughs> but it's a crap game, Hamish. What do you really Come mean, and Dino? see the world. <laughs> what do you really mean, Dino? It's a rubbish game. No one watches it. No one cares. Come and see the world. <laughs> Shall we move on? Yes. Well, Peter Volandis, though. Before I go news. on, yeah. Peter Volandis. Great yeah. stuff during the week about Hamish McLennan, the ARU boss. He's looking for free publicity. We're not going to entertain him. His sport's not doing very well, so he tries to use our sport to publicise his sport. Spot on PVL. They can't get their own headlines, so what they do, they use rugby league players. Well, it's all over, Hamish. You've had your fun. Now toddle off into the darkness. Fair enough. Quickly, AFL, Friday night, Fremantle, 69, beaten comprehensively by the Bulldogs, 118. Yesterday, Port Adelaide, 109 against West Coast, 69. The Giants went down 87 to Brisbane's, 108. And this hurt, Dino. Geelong, the reigning premiers, they have clicked back into gear. 20 goals, 10, 130 versus Sydney, 5, 7, 37. Eerily similar to the scoreline in the 2022 grand final win. The Cats demolished the Swans 133-52. to 52. I know the Swans had a number of injuries, particularly in their back line, but games are won and lost in the midfield, and Geelong's midfield just dominated the Swannies last night. Ray, I don't want this to sound bad, OK, because I have the utmost respect for Buddy Franklin, but where, where does he stand in the season? He seems to be missing clumps of games mm. at a time. I mean, surely They're that's not good. Yeah. But him. how many games yeah. do you, quote-unquote, manage him for? And I love Buddy, so please don't think it's a criticism. But managing money goes so far in the end when you're missing large chunks of games in a row. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Today's games, Hawthorne take on Adelaide at 1pm. Carlton St Kilda 3.20. Gold Coast North Melbourne is a 4.40pm game. There is a game on Monday, Melbourne versus Richmond. And then Tuesday, the big Anzac Day clash, Collingwood versus Essendon, they get up to 100,000 there at the MCG. The Ashes squad's been named. Dino, I don't think there's any real surprises there. I thought Cameron Bancroft might get a get a, a spot, but he's missed out, and they've they've picked um, uh, Marcus Harris again. Uh, I don't know. I, that was a little jab from you, yeah, wasn't I, it? I think Bancroft deserved to be yeah, there so ahead of Harris. So um, I think if you score runs at first class level, right? The amount of runs he scored. You Absolutely. have to be rewarded. Yeah. If you're not rewarded, then don't bother having the first-class competition. Exactly. No, I, I, I tend to agree. But in fairness, I think the possible Test 11 for the World Championship in the first Test, pretty obvious. Warner, Kawaj will open. Labuschagne first drop. Smith, Head will come in five. Green at six. Green back does help the balance of the team. Kerry will keep. And then we've got the, the three-pronged pace attacker. Stark, Cummings and Hazelwood. Lyon will be the spinner. Um... Kerry, well, with Green being there, we've got a fourth pace bowler so we can play line. 
England have won 10 of their last 12 test matches since McCullum and Stokes took over as um, coach or manager and Stokes as captain, playing so-called Baz ball. But this is going to be a fascinating Ashes series, Dino. Yeah, it's hard to get a grip on what they're doing over there in England in terms of how they're going to approach every game, right? It's mm. different to what we're not. It would be hard for the Aussies to prepare for because we don't really know the style. I mean, mm. it's this Wild West style of cricket, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost one day it, it is. 2020 cricket. And it must be hard to prepare for. But mm. look, we've got a very good side, a very well-balanced side. Uh, Crash Craddock, Ray, on after 9 o'clock to dissect the entire tour. Does seem weird too, doesn't it, Ray? We've got a World Test Championship, almost, mm. as a trial to the main course. You know what, Dino? One thing that the India Tour showed us is you need to prepare. We went into India way underdone and we're exposed in the first couple of test matches. At least if we go to England early with our Ashes squad, prepare for the World Test Championship final, at least we've got some lead in towards the Ashes series. I, I don't mind that. Just quickly, the live golf, I haven't seen a lot of it, Dino, because of work, etc. But what I have seen on, on the news and the highlights and on social media... Adelaide is absolutely buzzing. Yeah, it's pumping, right? The crowds have been enormous, the noise, the atmosphere. Look, Ray, it's different to the normal PGA events that we see. Mm. There's, there's rock music, they play in shorts. It's got a real carnival atmosphere to it, but it's fun. Mm. It is fun, and the crowds are flocking. The golf's been great. Uh, Taylor Gooch, Ray, he's 10 shots clear. Yeah, no, it's all over, isn't it? Absolutely so, it, extraordinary. It's all over, yeah. But look, I think there's a place for, for both. I think there's a place for fun events like this. Mm. And some of the names down there are huge names. And the crowd is loving it, isn't it? And uh, you know, there's also a place for you know, the Masters, etc. You know, mm. the, the, the more traditional events. But if you want fun, you want crowds, you want atmosphere, lives the place to go, baby. Yeah, it, it, is, it is just great to watch and the crowds are absolutely loving it. Hey, Dino, before we get to our talk topic, there's a, a special anniversary coming up later this week, Dino, and it's in Gundawindi, which is the home of the great Gunsin. The 50th anniversary of his final race start is coming up this Friday. He was beaten by Apollo 11 in the 1973 Queen Elizabeth Stakes, but Gunsin was such a popular champion at the time and such a hero to a nation, they wrote a song about him. We cheered him from the grandstand and we cheered him from the flat. We cheered a little beauty, a real aristocrat. He's never thrown the towel in, but a try around the way. A horse we're really proud of, the Yonder Windy Gray. That's Tex Morton. Love Remember that, that song? I do. Song? I love those old songs. Well, there's a special um, uh, as an anniversary of, of um, his career and his last race start held in Gundawindi on Friday. John Tapp, I spoke to him yesterday. He's going up because, as John said, he, he thinks he's the last caller. He said he made, made him sort of think about things. Still alive to call the great gun sin. Wow. So he'll host this function and tremendous stuff and I remember when I was a kid, he was such a popular horse, Gunsin. And the one thing about him, he had an incredible will to win, this amazing fighting spirit. He carried 60.5 kilos in a Melbourne Cup in 1972. Couldn't run 3,200 down a well, Dino. But he tried his right to the line and ran third to Piping Lane and Magnifique. It was a phenomenal performance. He was just a fighter, which 
in a way, indirectly leads us to our talk topic, which is inspired by obviously. I Anzac. love our tenuous links. I know it's a very tenuous topics. link. I know, but no, no, he, he had the good. fighting spirit, and of course, with Anzac Day coming up on Tuesday, it's a special day for all Australians, and we we don't want to trivialise Anzac Day because it is such an important thing, but it's also a way to honour. Um, the fighting spirit of Australians, both on the battlefield and I'm no way comparing it to the sporting field, but on the sporting field too, we've seen Australians do courageous things over many, many years. We punch above our weight, so to speak, in the sporting world. And that brings us to our talking to- talk topic. Australians that have sh- epitomised the fighting spirit. Have you got the one? On the sporting spirit. field. On the sporting field. The fighting spirit. Well, if it's fighting spirit, I'll go the fighting kangaroo, which to me is always remembered by mm. Australia 2 in 1983. Down 3-1 to yep. Dennis Connor's Stars and Stripes. Uh, no, it was... Uh, was it Liberty? Liberty? I'll, I'll go and check that. Yeah, yeah. I should have checked yeah. that out before I came on air. But down 3-1 and came back to win three straight races to pinch the America's Cup after 132 years. And it That's Australian courage. Rhode Island, New York back then too, where you couldn't win. It was up in... Um, yeah, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. That's right. You, yes. Well, you couldn't win, but they did it. Dennis Bertrand and um, the Australian. John Bertrand. John Bertrand, sorry. Went and Ben Lexon. Ben, ben, the great Blinky Ben Bill. Lexon, yeah. The winged the keel. keel. Correct. Yeah. So I'll go with Australia too, and that courageous win to come back against all odds. What have you got, Raymond? Yeah, uh, someone just had a go at me. The um, Gundawindi is pronounced Gundawindi. Okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. Okay, um... It is what it is. Great Gunsin, Gundawindi. Gundawindi. Yep. There you go. Which is where Gunsin came from. Gundawindi and Syndicate, because there were four friends from Gundawindi, hence Gunsin. For me, Dino, as a kid, watching Rick McCosker walk out on the MCG in the second innings with a broken jaw and his head wrapped in bandages to help the Australian team continue their second innings and build a big enough lead to which they eventually won that centenary test against England. He didn't need to do that, Dino, but that to me, with no helmets in those days, was courage personified, Rick McCosker. So I'll never forget that. I think Bob Willis might have got him in the first innings with a yeah, I think he did. bouncer yeah. in the jewel. Oh, remember he woke me up the, wrapped up like a mummy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Rick McCosker. Nickname was Tut, wasn't it? Oh, Tut McCosker. That's right, yeah. Yeah, great man. And he and he batted for a while too. We, Rod Marsh got 100 there, which eventually won the test match for Australia. That's our talk topic today, the fighting spirit of Australians on the sporting field. Let us know your thoughts on 135353, SMS 0419767272. Listening to Dino and Ray on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Skipped breakfast. Carmel from Gyrus Text. When she grew up, you knew people were rich when they had the colour telly. Prime TV and ABC were the only channels I remember when I was about five on our TV. Well, we, we had seven, nine and ten. Someone just had to hold the area on the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> you sneezed, you lost channel nine. <laughs> the Big Sports Breakfast. Weekdays from 5.30 on Sky Sports Radio. Cold fights start turned. 71% winners to runners, oldest only four-year-olds. Trainer Joe Pride. 5%, 4,400 and 250 a month covers costs. For PDS, see Hancocks.com.au, AFSL 227-365, Hancocks.com.au. And now for the most exciting two minutes in sports. The very best of U.S. racing seven days a week. Looking at Lee, can't catch, always dreaming, who's the 143rd winner of the Kentucky Derby. Live and exclusive across the Sky Racing Network.
Where do you go for all the biggest and best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue? Totally Workwear Bridalmere. With the temperature cooling, now is the time to get in store and check out the massive range of pants, jackets and jumpers. Just what you need to keep warm this winter. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear Bridalmere, 279 Victoria Road, opposite Bunnings and Maccas. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. There's a new place to get it all on tap. And it's in your pocket. The Tab app has live racing. Touchdowns. Downtowns. The beautiful game. Australia's biggest game. Our other biggest game. A bit of this. This. Oh, come on, ref. And this. For racing and sport on tap, download the Tab app. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. He's a shocker and right you are. He's a shocker fighting. Right you are draws alongside. He's a shocker repels him. He's a shocker right you are. Nothing in it. Right you are with a last stride at he's a shocker. I'm not sure in the cup. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. That was right. You are just edging out. He's a shocker in a thriller for the Moynton Cup. Yesterday qualifies him now for the Caulfield Cup later in the year. Now, talk topic about Aussie's fighting spirit on the Ford sporting field. Clubber from Port Macquarie. Good one, Dino. Jeff Harding versus Dennis Andres. Jeff Harding came back to win the world title fight in the last round. Everyone thought he was gone. Uh, he he needed a knockout to win, and Jeff Harding did that, knocking out Dennis Andres. Good one, Clubber from Port Macquarie, who says, lest we forget, absolutely. Um, also, uh, Brad from Broadbeach mentioned Jeff Hitman Harding because it was courage under fire, wasn't it? Jeff Hitman Harding in that fight. Um, Steve says, boys, nobody epitomised the great Australian fighting spirit more than Alan Border in the mid-'80s when he carried that team, you know, didn't he? He carried the Australian cricket side. Alan Border would have to be the toughest cricketer I think I can yeah. recall. Steve Orr, another one. But mm. in that mid-80s when we were rubbish, my God, that oh. bloke just kept fighting and fighting. And I still think the legacy he put on to the next generation and the next generation, and then the, even today, Ray, mm. the toughness we show on the, foot, on the cricket field, Comes from Goes that, yeah. back to Alan Border. I tend to agree with that. Yeah, he he was um, a person you literally did want to fight for your life, and bat for your life. He would do it. And someone also mentioned the Fighting Tiger from Perth, Northerly. He was a great champion. No name on that one, and uh, he got that nickname, the Fighting Tiger. Don't see we don't think we saw any Northerlies yesterday at Hawkesbury, dinner, but we saw some pretty good horses. And in the first, this filly Zardozzi was bred to Southern Hemisphere time in England. Her dam came out to Australia with Godolphin's breeding operation and gave birth to Zardozzi here. She's three starts, three wins. Wins the Clarendon. She's pretty good. Ties off the bit. So too is Gunslinger. Then came well, to, well back to the outside, Zardozzi. She's got to the middle of the track and is starting to issue her challenge. 200 to go. Here comes Zardozzi. She's going after Rimbo very quickly. Californian runs on. 100 metres to go. Zardozzi's hit the lead. Californian later. Zardozzi a length in front of Californian. Smart win this. Zardozzi circled them and rounded them up to win brilliantly. Zardozzi half a length on Californian. Photo for third. Rimbo looks prominent. Yeah, she's very good. Three starts. Three wins ran great sections. Talk about courage under fire. Luke Marlowe. 
Luke Marlowe has had laryngitis most of the week. Um, I rang him Saturday morning about something else and he texted me, didn't answer the call. He said, mate, I'm protecting my voice, everything okay, I've had laryngitis, I've got to get through 10 races. So talk about courage under fire, he got through the day. That's Sattler-esque from Marlowe. Uh, unbelievable performance. <laughs> on to race five. And here is Hannah Williams, the second winner of the day on Delacour. She runs down the world's best jockey, James McDonald, on red card. Red card the leader. There's a split for fire if good enough. Delacour next, followed by Plimstock, but still red card. She gives a good kick here. 150 to go. Delacour trying to come after her. Then fire and Mabel. 50 metres to go. Red card getting tired. Delacour's wearing her down. Delacour goes to red card, and Delacour has got up to win from red card. Third looks like Mabel just in front of fire. Um, we'll talk to Hannah Williams a little later. Great day for her. Two rides at Hawkesbury, two wins her first on the Sydney Saturday meeting. The Hawkesbury Gold Rush. This horse, Mal Malkovich, has been gelded since he was last in work. He's returned a real speed machine. Back behind those was Ander Marta, then came to the outside Zethus and Surreal Step. Inside the 200, still Malkovich. He leads by two. Ander Mart's trying to rev up. A very fine red behind those, but the flying Malkovich still in front. Look at Fox Fighter out wide later. Malkovich from a very fine red near home, though, and he'll do it all of the way. Malkovich is too good and beats home a very fine red. Photo for third. Fox Fighter was extremely wide out. He's in a camera. Yeah, Malkovich went 102.23 down for the Hawkesbury 1100 on a soft five track, which only a, a tick outside the course record. So it was an excellent performance. Speaking of excellent performance, Hawaii 5-0 in the Hawkesbury Guineas. Wow. Hawaii 5-0's under a tight grip for Nash. He's coming down the outside quickly. Razita got left flat-footed when they sprinted. Here's Hawaii 5-0. Oh, he exploded. 200 metres to go. The Guineas is over. Just like that. Atmosphere. Kote. Sizzle Manizzle. Razita, they box on. But how good that? Hawaii 5-0. What a win. Beat Atmosphere. Photo for third. They've absolutely queued up. Yeah, how good was that? Hawaii 5-0. Highly impressive. We'll talk to co-trainer Adrian Bott, hopefully very shortly, about plans going forward for the three-year-old into the Hawkesbury crown. The American Mayor Princess Grace at her second start in Australia makes a real statement. Princess Grace is picking her way through the field, looking for the gaps. He's running through into a tight opening there now. She's squeezing through. Tycoon Evie, Written Beauty, but Princess Grace got the run completely now and burst to the lead, 100 to go. Clear from a wall of horses. A great ride from Nash. He pushed her through Princess Grace and she was too good. Wall of horses for second, third, fourth. Expat Tycoon Evie, Dalcini's jumped out of it. Yeah, it was Nash Rewillow at his fearless best. If you get a chance to watch a replay, there was wasn't much gap there for Princess Grace outside of expats' heels, but Nash found a way and she was too good. On to the other Group 3 on Saturday. It was the Hawkesbury Gold Cup. Chris Waller trained the Quinella, the winner. New mandate. He's good. Desert Icon, Nash is looking to sweep the features. Then new mandate, floating artists to the outside as they enter the home straight. Jojo was a man, is tough, he hits the lead. Wild Chap went up the fence. Boxing on was Desert Icon, and new mandate is letting rip with a brilliant turn of foot. Here comes new mandate on the outside. He goes to Desert Icon, Jojo was a man. New mandate hits the lead, and he's pulling clear. New mandate, a nice horse. He wins the Hawkesbury Cup by two on Desert Icon. Nash went close to sweeping them then behind them was he's a nice horse new mandate won a number of stakes races in england lost his way a little was sent out to australia and 
Chris Waller has found the key. Big plans ahead for new mandate. A couple of people have chimed in with our talk topic. Dino Steve said, Rave, you mentioned the race Kingston Town can't win. Remember that? 82 Cox Plate. And the King did. He found a way, the King. Mate, there's another couple here. I'm just trying to find it. Here we go. Pete from Bow Desert. Fighting spirit. What about, <coughs> excuse me, Ray? Cooper Cronk playing the grand final with a broken shoulder. Bobby Linda with a broken leg in origin. Sam Burgess with a fractured cheekbone. Absolutely spot on there. List That's goes on and some on. Some really, really toughness. We've got a couple people on the, the uh, open line. Craig is there. Craig, good morning. Good morning, Ray and Dean. Uh, Jack Whiten, I think, will be joining the 2023 Premier South Sydney. Ooh. And uh, it shows your talk topic today. Mm. David Warner, the leading run scorer in this year's Ashes series, after he scores his 26 Test 100 for Australia in the World Test Championship final. Gee, you know what, Craig? If Warner has a good series, we'll go a long way to winning that the Ashes, won't we? Dino, if um, he can find his form, which he has struggled in England in the past, if he can have a good Ashes series go a long way to winning it. I want to ask Crash Craddock when he comes on after nine o'clock, right, what uh, is Australia's plan for David Warner? Mm. Is it a long-term plan or is it literally game by game? And if it is game by game, it must be very difficult for David to digest that. But I guess he's at that time of his career where, you know, every test match, if there's a failure in there, the critics start to increase. Yeah, yeah well, it's sad, but it's that's pressure on him, but he's certainly going to get that chance in the World Test Championship final. We'll take a quick break. Listen to Dino and Ray in the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. Skipped breakfast. Carmel from Gyrus Text. When she grew up, you knew people were rich when they had the colour telly. Prime TV and ABC were the only channels I remember when I was about five on our TV. We, we had seven, nine and ten. Someone just had to hold the area on the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> you sneezed, you lost channel nine. <laughs> the Big Sports Breakfast. Weekdays from 5.30 on Sky Sports Radio. Pick your favourite Kia from the award-winning Kia Sportage to the street-cred-delivering Kia Seltos or Kia's most powerful car ever, the all-electric EV6 GT. Book a test drive today to find your chosen one. Find out more at kia.com.au or drop into your nearest Kia dealer. Kia, movement that inspires. G'day, Sean Garlic here from Garlow's Pies. The best thing about our pies is the deliciously flaky pastry on top, a bottom which is rolled extra thin, and a filling which is bursting with flavour. Plenty of flavours to choose from, like lean beef, curry beef, sausage rolls. We even have junior pies that you can give to the whole family. Find us in the Coles and Woolworths chilled meals section. And if you can't find us, ask for us by name. Garlow's Pies, we're thin on pastry, we're big on meat. Get live racing on tap with the Tap app. See every earth-shattering race live with not one, not two, but all three Sky Racing channels, plus tips from Sky experts and a bit of this. This too. Some of this. And this. For all three Sky Racing channels on tap, download the Tap app. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Get into totally work wear right on me, Ray, for all your winter work mm-hmm. wear gear. It's a tongue twister, that. Mm. We stock the biggest and best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue. 
get in store and check out all the pants, jumpers and jackets. Just what you need to keep you warm this winter. Uh, does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Well, Darren and the team will get you sorted. Open until 7pm every weekday. Totally workwear right on me, 279 Victoria Road, opposite Bunnings and Maccas. We've got you covered. You take me away from a Galo's ad, Ray, and I struggle. <laughs> Is Hawaii 5 Oh, he exploded. 200 metres to go. The Guineas is over. Just like that. Atmosphere. Kote. Sizzle. Manizzle. Razita. They box on. But how good that? Hawaii 5 Oh, What a win. Beat Atmosphere. Photo for third. They've absolutely queued up. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. And welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. Adrian Bott, the co-trainer of Hawaii Five O, about to join us. And Adrian, as Luke Marlowe said about Hawaii Five O, how good was that? Good morning, Adrian. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, yeah, no, really, really impressive. Um, yeah, fantastic to see him take that take that next step. It was a good test, and yeah, he um, really responded well. Uh, I know you've only had the colt for a short time in the stables, but he's a magnificent-looking colt, isn't he? He's beautifully bred. No doubt there's an engine there. Is the key to him simply getting him onto a firm deck, Adrian? Yeah, look, that was the only sort of really concern sort of going in, in, into the weekend. Um, so sort of, there was a bit of reports how, how the track was going to be throughout the week. Obviously, we're lucky that the rain held off and it seemed to sort of improve nicely throughout the day. He was scratched uh, sort of a fortnight ago from the South Pacific because of the heavy conditions. So, uh, yeah, I think that's certainly a key to him, um, yeah, maybe the month between runs helped him as well. He's a little bit um, sort of fresh and well in himself going into that sort of four weeks between runs. I guess that was sort of in the back of our minds, but he, um, yeah, was able to overcome all those factors and um, yeah, show continue to show good good improvement. Yeah, highly impressive. How has he pulled up, Adrian? And have you had a chance to to work out where his next run might be? Yeah, he's pulled up pulled up super. Uh, really, really, really happy with the way he's come through that. As you said, he physically. You know, seems a pretty tough horse to to knock around. There's there's a fair bit to him. He's one of the bigger colts we've we've certainly got in the mm. stable. Um, looking forward, I, I think Queensland's sort of quite an obvious path for um, for a horse sort of that's improving this time of year. Um, you know, he can sort of go up to a race, whether it be sort of something like the Fred Best. Um, and and if we do sort of continue on that upward spiral, he, he may develop into a lightweight chance in, in a Stradbroke, a, a high-pressure race with a with a lightweight on some quick tracks up there um, with a horse that's continuing to go through his grade, sort of seems to be a, you know, a, a, a great option. Mm-hmm. So just have to have a chat with uh, Singo and, and Jerry Harvey throughout the week and, and see what they want to do. Adrian, what is Hawaii Five-0's best distance, do you think? I think 1,400's probably that sweet spot. I was sort of having a chat with Nash about that afterwards, just sort of seeing whether he could, I, I think he could easily sort of stretch to, to a mile. Um, you know, the way that he settles in the race, you know, yesterday he settled very well and sort of was pretty explosive, sort of able to put them away in sort of number of strides. If he's able to do that same sort of thing over a mile, well, that certainly opens up a few more options. But I think for now, there's probably no need to be going any further. As I said, 1,400, he's, it's that sort of real sweet spot and that's where those sort of nice races on the program seem to fall for him anyway. So, um, yeah, I think that's sort of where we'll try and stick and aim to. But I'd say going forward, 
another 12 months' time. Wouldn't be afraid of stretching him out that little bit further. Yeah, highly promising. You, you mentioned singer John Singleton, a part owner of Hawaii 5A. He was a happy man yesterday because 15 minutes prior to Hawaii 5O's when you also trained Long Tycoon for him that won at Newcastle. So... He, he was a happy man yesterday afternoon, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, wasn't able to be on on track. I think he was up in up in Cairns. I think he was out yeah. on a boat fishing, I, I believe. Uh, but look, Gay and, Gay and Singer have obviously had a, a a long career together, a great relationship, and sort of so many sort of years of success and some some great horses to to, to rattle off. So um, yeah, it's great that they can sort of continue that together, and mm. um, yeah, the. Train some lovely horses for him, some improving horses, and um, you know that they're they're, they're uh, still able to keep that wonderful relationship. Yeah, no, it's good to see him with a really nice horse in particular, uh, Hawaii Five O. Uh, Adrian, just quickly, um, Anzac Day got a couple of uh, interesting runners at the Kenzo Yarrawonga in the Anzac Day Cup, an improving stayer, and talk about exciting horses. White Marlin puts his unbeaten record on the line at Flemington. Yeah. Um, I, I really like this Yarrawonga. He's progressing nicely. Um, he's been sort of knocking on the door. Just put the blinkers on on on, uh, on Tuesday. Whether that's just can, he's just been hitting a flat spot at certain stages of the race that might just sort of help him overcome that. But he's right at his peak and training well. And yeah, obviously uh, White Marlin, um, yeah, very exciting horse. And um, we're trying to get him to the Andrew Ramsden. That's the main aim this this preparation to you know with the Melbourne Cup in mind. We originally going to the Mornington Cup race there yesterday, which we uh, dodged in, in favour of sort of keeping him at, at, at Flemington and um, keeping him on the bigger track. Mm. Uh, the form line stood up there, which was good to see. So he's in great shape. So hopefully he can continue on that on that upward path. Yeah, he's six from six and looks a really promising stayer. Obviously, Hawaii 5-0's best is yet to come. That was highly impressive yesterday, winning the Hawkesbury Guineas. Congratulations, Adrian. Thanks for joining us on a Sunday morning, and we'll talk soon. Thanks very much, guys. There's Adrian Bott, the uh, co-trainer of Hawaii 5-0, who was absolutely brilliant yesterday. Dino, really impressive young three-year-old. Bro, before we get to Richard Callender, just a couple of quick texts about our talk topic. Gaza from Lamia talks about Kay Cotty. Came mm. the first woman to navigate the world unassisted, taking 189 Good days. Point. That is yeah. courage. Yeah. There's a lot coming through for the great John Sattler. Uh, another one, too, which is being mentioned multiple times is uh, Cliffy Young. Yeah. The ultramarathon runner. Back in 1983, it was. That's right. right. I don't know what age he was back then. He was in his 61. 60s, 61. 61, one of our listeners Boy, texted in. That's yeah. extraordinary when you look back, isn't it? Fan, it was over a thousand kilometres from Sydney to Melbourne, and he kept uh, going all night, didn't he? Right, he just wouldn't sleep in the gumboots, wasn't it? In the gum no, boots. no, he did that in the field, though. Yeah, he did that. It was amazing to watch. Yeah, Richie Cowan is about to join us. Uh, hey, Rich, that you, you think back about what Cliff Young did at the age of sixty-one? It, it's just extraordinary, isn't it? Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Bulldog. A hundred percent. What a legend he was, Cliffy Young. And if Dave Warner's the leading run scorer in the Ashes. I might replicate it and walk to Melbourne myself. <laughs> How? What, you get one score every five years? You know, you're sweet. Oh, mate. You can't, we've got to get selectors that watch cricket, not not a best mate sort of put people in the side. Have a go, well, who, Bulldog. He shouldn't be Who there. would you have as opener then, mate? It's easy to say get rid of him, but who goes in? No, Bancroft is oh, anyone that could get a run, like young kid down the road here the other day, scored 15 <laughs> down the park. I'd have him over to crack Marcus Harris, mate. He just can't score once every two years and be still on the side. Why don't we we may as well throw Sheffield Shield in the garbage and say, listen, it doesn't matter what you do in Sheffield Shield, it doesn't matter what you do in club games. If you're there, 
you stay there as long as you want on $5 million a year. It does I, I happen a lot, Ray. I, I feel sorry for Bancroft. I really do. Yeah, so do he's I. Had, he's had a great summer. Oh. It happens a lot for older players. They fail, 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 and then they'll get a score. And then we have another run of failures. But those that score is just yeah. enough to keep them in there for a while. So Warner's in that category, I hate yeah. to admit. Mm. Uh, I, I just I'm in a good mood, Bulldog. Happy. Well, you're about to go on holidays, aren't you, Rich? Should I mention that on air or...? Yeah, yeah, I'm having a having a couple of weeks off, but uh, yeah, going uh, away a little bit of time with yeah, lovely family, which will be fantastic. And sorry, Rich, no, I'm Rich. sitting in a place you probably don't know, Bulldog. I'm sitting in economy. Uh, economy. I know that. Uh, Jeez, I'd love to be next yeah, to you. I know that. Sorry, I'd love to be sitting next to you. That'd be fun. <laughs> Apparently, Zorb is on the seat next to me. <laughs> Some place wedged in the middle. How were the chicken snitchels at Hawkesbury oh. yesterday? I didn't have the chicken schnitzel, uh, uh, Dean. If you uh, if you do your research out there, <laughs> I, I'm a, either a buttered chicken or I'm the um, the fish fillets. I will say one thing: their beans are the best beans in the world. I don't know what he does to them, but they are outstanding. Hey, Richard, it is a sports show, but I've got to mention I had a cream brulee yesterday. I went outside my lane, which is unusual for me. Have you tried one of those at the Hawkesbury racetrack? They are unbeatable, Rich. No, I, I went out of my lane yesterday uh, too. I had, um, what's that green stuff? Um, uh, shallot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we better go back in our lane because I, I mentioned earlier, I, I think all 10 winners out of yesterday's meeting, I know that sounds ridiculous, but all 10 were impressive enough for horses to say you'd like to keep following them. But let, let's start with Zara Dozy. Um, she was bred to Northern Hemisphere time in England. Godolphin sent the mare out in foal. She's by Kingman. She's probably got the best bloodlines in Australian racing, and she's pretty good, Rich. She's very good. Like Californian, who started favourite to beat her last time and and made the form line, um, Frank was running second again. Yeah, no, very, very impressive. I love horses that have got a turn of speed, that they can just quicken off two, off two strides, and that's what she did yesterday. She was impressive. I tell you what makes the... if When you just said it right, Ray, they all looked impressive. It's because, give it to Ricky Johnston, who's mm. now going to move sideways in his role at Hawkesbury. Malcolm Johnston's brother, Ricky, who's done an incredible job. That track, for how many meetings they've had in the last two months, was incredible. You could win out wide, you could win yeah. in the middle, you could win on the fence. I thought that was the highlight of the day, the track in Henry Williams. But you're right, Sadozy was good. Yeah, no, good point, Rick Johnston. Well done to him and the team. I know they were worried leading into the meeting, but... The track, Terrified. Yeah, but the track, because it has had a lot of racing, as you mentioned, Rich, but they were very, very good. Talk about acceleration. Hawaii 5-0 had that Guineas one a long way out, and didn't he let rip? Yeah, I thought Nash was at a crash. He was just nursing and nursing, little cuddle. <laughs> yeah, very impressive. Look, it's got to go up to the level. I just heard Adrian talking about a Stradbroke, uh, a lightweight in the Stradbroke. Um, that's still that feature race up in Queensland. It's Mm. Comparing that is like comparing me to Usain Bolt winning the Hawkesbury Guineas now going on a Stradbroke. A Stradbroke, very. It's a big, big step. Not who's to say you couldn't get there, but uh, geez, it'd be a, a mammoth uh, class rise to a Stradbroke. But look, very impressive yesterday. And again, as you rightly said, travelled up, and that's what you got to do in Hawkesbury. You got to be able to travel before mm. you accelerate. But that man, Nash Rilla, wasn't he in form yesterday? Oh well, mentioning Nash, that ride on Princess Grace. We, we know Nash is. 
fearless beyond belief sometimes. There wasn't much room there outside of expat's heels, but even Charlie Duckworth said, were you worried at any stage? He said, no, because Nash Willer was in the saddle. He finds a way, as he did on Princess Grace. Yeah, look, the American meter come out here, and then I think a lot of people thought yesterday maybe 1,300 might be a little bit short. She was a little bit soft in the market at stages, but she was a lot closer, and she uh, she was... She was very good. And she's going to be better, again, whether she goes to stud this year or, or whether she waits another season. But uh, I think if she waits, there's going to be plenty of riches on, on our shores for her, that's for sure. And she's I, I can't believe... I know we've had a lot of different... And I hate to sing the praise of the big syndicates, but those colours of the China Horse Club and all their syndicate oh, members, really? I can't remember colours being so dominant over a period. Jeez, they've had a, a run and a half, haven't they? Obviously, militarised comes to mind immediately. Where, where do you think new mandate sits, um, Rich? And I say that because he's got really impressive form in the UK, albeit a couple of years ago. Obviously, he had, as Charlie Duckworth said, some issues, but they've seen him down under. Ralph Beckett, Charlie Duckworth's old Boston, England, said you're getting a good horse here. I think he showed something yesterday in the Hawkesbury Cup. I think I heard uh, Charlie say it there that it, it meant a little bit more that it comes from his old boss. Yeah. Um, the horse met that new mandate. Yeah. I think it's been a work in progress for them. I, I just think it's when you get to, and you and I can't row, we're a bit younger, but like Bulldog, you get up that little bit morning when you get to his age, you get a little bit more aches and pains. You've got to, you know, I'm happy, you know, to, get, really I'm happy to compare birth certificates. Oh, Bulldog. Oh, we've, we've discussed this previously, Bulldog. You are older than me well, and get, well and truly Give me a birth me. year when you were born. 72. Oh, please. What are you counting in dog years? <laughs> He's a 70s child 72, Dean All 72 right. Fair enough Now this text has uh, come through Rich, before you go on No name Did Richie have to buy Two seats for himself On the plane? Harsh Very harsh, Richard Dean, if you want to read The Tab Corp And Sky Sports Radio uh, her, Harassment That she's there you, you might see that You might see that Weight shaming Is not permitted there And that's called Bullying, Dean <laughs> In this day and age, we can't have that. Oh, just one final Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I take offence, Dean. <laughs> hey, Rich, and at my weight, I take big offence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rich, just before we let you go, and I hope you do enjoy your holiday with your family. Just a quick one. Jason from Windsor quite rightly asked about the Zach Lloyd drama and how it affected punters, and Jason's 100% right. I was there at the inquiry, and... To Zach Lloyd's um, credit, he put his hands up. It came down to, in essence, he wore a heavy set of riding boots when he weighed Mm. out for the race, and then he changed his boots. Look, brain explosion to a lightweight set of boots, came in 1.3 kgs under, hence the horse Sweet Mercy was disqualified. He put his hand up. He didn't try and um, uh, tell the stewards anything other than the truth. He's even said he would pay the prize money to Connections, I know he's made a huge mistake, and it shouldn't happen in the modern era, but he's human. He'll learn from this, but your take on it, Rich? Yeah, it, look, no system's perfect. We, we all know that. It's like when third protests against first, the second horse had no interference, and if it's upheld, he wins the race, yet he couldn't beat number three, third place getter who, who had an interrupted run anyway and got the objection to beat the winner. He's going to be no system perfect. Unfortunately... The person at the wrong end of the deal is often that gentleman and I and all of us, the punters. They're yeah. the ones that suffer. Um, you, you, you've got to try and please the majority. Unfortunately, 
if we take deductions out because we then leave, make the horse a non-runner, does that affect the, the, the winning punters who say, listen, I'm getting deductions. I, I beat it anyway. No system's perfect, unfortunately. I think the system we've got at the moment is probably the best. Did Zach make a blue? Bloody oath he made a blue. But as Ray just said, and rightly said, he put his hands straight up. He was embarrassed. And we've all made a stack of blues. I'll make, I'll, I'll make something today, but um, it, it won't uh, it won't mar Zach going forward. But, yeah, look, I, showed, I thought he showed a bit of quality yesterday, the young man. He, he did. We're all uh, human error. Never going to eradicate that. Hey, Rich, enjoy that holiday with your family, mate. We'll talk um, in three Sundays' time. Good on you, Rich. Well, thank you, boys. And Ray, just quickly, I just noticed on social media, young, uh, not young, Phil Sweeney, a trainer down the Riverina, passed away last oh, night. So to, to all his family and, and, and that, uh, my condolences and that from everyone in racing. Thanks, Rich. I, I didn't know that. I appreciate it. Um, and I pass on my condolences too. Uh, enjoy your holiday, Rich. There's Richie Callender. He was enjoying Hawkesbury yesterday. And uh, like me, he loves that meeting. Tanya's in studio with the scratchings. Tan, good morning. Morning, boys. Morning, everyone. Racing in New South Wales today is at Wagga and Port Macquarie and Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Let's start with Wagga. The weather is fine. The track is a good four. The rail is out three metres from the 1,400 to the winning post through the remainder. And there are 20 scratchings. From race one, take eight, Iconic Miss, number eight. Race two, number six, Ride and At, number six. The third race is clear. Race four, number 10, 2i. And 11, you're on mute, 10 and 11. Race five, number two, Gotta Love Trucks, six, Rapid Ruby. And 10, My Blue Jeans, two, six, 10. Race six, number three, Manzoni, seven, Arts Object, eight, She's Rich Enough, nine, Wolf Bay and 10 Hallowed Star, 37891010. Race 7, number 3, Delacour, 5, Sparring, 9, Real Key, 12, Brothers of Antrim, and 13, Cappy's Angel, 3, 5, 9, 12, and 13. And from race 8, number 6, Star Live, 9, Stand Your Ground, and 12, Champ, Profound. Profond, 6, 9 and 12 from race 8 at Wagga. Port Macquarie, the weather is overcast. The track is soft, 5, the rail true and 15 scratchings. From race 1, take number 5, Foxy Baroness, number 5. Race 2, number 4, Bella Taruga, 7, Poetic Impact, 9, Amakura, 10, Fast Lady and 11, I Prefer Soul. Four, seven, nine, ten, and eleven. Race three, take out seven. Fire mark and thirteen. Our esprit seven and thirteen. Race four is clear. Race five, number five, Madame Rock and twelve. Poetic impact five and twelve. Race six, number six, Rani Factor and fourteen. Smiling Prophet six and fourteen. And out of race seven, number one, Franklin Corners eight. Mrs Ed and thirteen. Star of Yamba. 1, 8 and 13 from race 7 at Port Macquarie. Sunshine Coast, the weather is fine. The track a good four. Rail out 10 metres the entire course. Penetrometer 6.96 and there are 33 scratchings. From race 1, take out numbers 2, 4 and 7. Race 2, 3, 4 and 7. Races 3 and 4 are clear. From race 5, take out 1. And the emergencies 14, 15 and 16. Race 6, numbers 3 and 6. To race 7, take out emergencies 13, 14, 15 and 16. Race 8, numbers 1, 2, 6, 8, 12 and emergency 16. Race 9, 7, emergencies 13 and 15. And from race 10, take out 1, 2, 5, 
emerges these 16, 17, 18, 19 and 20. Right. Thanks, Tan. Tips today at Wagga Race 1, number 1, Kerma Art, making its debut, trialling well, very hard to beat. Associate in Race 4, Dino number 3, very short, should win, but um, probably too short for most of us to back. So in Race 6, number 5, Montebello's Charm, won really well last start, is good odds today. At Port Macquarie, Race 3, number 4, Olimba, into Race 5, number 1, C Notes. Here's the news. Hello, I'm Sarah Warmby. Barry Humphreys is being described as a comedy genius in all the right ways following his death at the age of 89. The entertainer died peacefully, surrounded by family in Sydney's St Vincent's Hospital. He created some of Australia's most loved characters, including Dame Edna Everidge. Hello, possums! <laughs> Hello, darlings! Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has paid tribute describing Mr Humphreys as an absolute one-of-a-kind who was both gifted and a gift. Mr Humphreys is survived by his wife Lizzie, his four children and ten grandchildren. The Prime Minister will consider an expansion to Federal Parliament with lower house MPs now representing more than triple the number of constituents they did in 1901. The nine newspapers report there's a push to increase the number of seats in the House of Representatives. A community in Victoria's north is in mourning as the victims of a horror road crash are named. Brian Wilson has more. One of the five victims of the multi-vehicle crash at Strathmerton, north of Melbourne last week has been identified as Cobram woman Debbie Markey. The 62-year-old hosted international workers at her rural property. The other four victims were from Taiwan and Hong Kong. They'd been working at a nearby abattoir. Their families arriving at Melbourne Airport in shock and tears. A 29-year-old Doncaster man has been charged with five counts of dangerous driving causing death. Several regional South Australian mayors are pushing for changes to the nation's broadcast laws after the loss of their local television news service. Air News reporter Shannon Morris joins me. So what happened, Shannon? Sarah, television news viewers in the Spencer Gulf and Broken Hill lost their only local bulletin on April 12, and the mayors in Port Perry, Wyala and Port Augusta are fighting back. The Spencer Gulf Nightly News Bulletin originated in 1968, but the broadcast footprint isn't currently subject to local content rules. The mayors are hoping to change this by lobbying state and federal politicians and broadcaster Southern Cross Austereo to have the decision reversed. However, this isn't the first time a local TV news has been axed in regional South Australia. Viewers in Mount Gambia and the Riverland haven't received a full wind television news service for over a decade. And Sarah Air News understands at least one journalist is transferring to the network's Launceston newsroom. Overseas in Sudan, the evacuations of foreign nationals has begun as fighting between the army and paramilitary enters its second week. With more, the BBC's Andrew Harding. Civilians in Khartoum have said that after a quieter night and early morning, heavy fighting has resumed around the presidential palace in the centre of the city and in other districts. Despite that, Sudan's regular army has announced that preparations are underway to airlift British, French, American and Chinese diplomats and nationals from Khartoum immediately. For that to happen, the airport near the city centre would have to be secured. It's understood that various countries have military transport planes on standby in nearby countries like Djibouti. And a massive methamphetamine shipment from Mexico to Australia has been blocked from hitting the streets. This is Air News. (laughs) 
In the AFL, Brisbane have made it three wins in a row, defeating GWS 108-87. to Lions coach Chris Fagan says they worked hard for the win. There were times when we looked like we were going to run away with it, and to Giants' credit, they came back at us. But I felt like we controlled the game pretty much for, for most of it. Wins also to the Cats and to Power. The Sharks have beaten the Bulldogs 33-20 to in the NRL. The Cowboys 18-16 to winners over the Knights. The A-League Premier's Melbourne City won again last night with its talisman Jamie McLaren having a record-breaking game as their sports Graham Davis reports. Melbourne City's 3-1 win over Western United was a special night for McLaren. He scored all three goals, his sixth hat-trick and broke two significant records. Leckie had only been on the pitch for two minutes when he teed up McLaren for his second, his 91st goal for the club, more than any player scored in the A-League for one team. In the 74th minute, McLaren completed his hat-trick. It was his 143rd A-League goal, taking him past Bessart Barisha's tally to make him the all-time leading goalscorer in the competition. The defeat for Western United means that last season's champions miss out on the finals this year. Graham Davis in Melbourne, Fair Sports. And American Taylor Gooch is holding a 10-shot lead heading into the third round of the Live Golf event in Adelaide. Australian Independent Radio News. Anzac Day Reflections. Joe Flick's grandfather, Mick Flick, served in the First World War in France despite considerable barriers to Aboriginal enlistment. Joe is proud of not just his grandfather, but of all Indigenous men and women who have served our country over the years. As we approach April 25th, Joe reflects on a recent Anzac Day that has special memories for him. The first dawn service we had at the Aboriginal Cemetery in Collarinabri. We never had a dawn service there before. And there's four World War I veterans buried in that cemetery. I didn't have a clue if anyone had come along. But as lights started to shine and come down the road, I just thought, no, this is all worth it. So we had an opportunity to pay our respects to those diggers at Collarinabri on that very special day. We haven't forgotten you, and uh, it'll stand out in my mind forever. Anzac Day. Remembering all Australians who served our country, lest we forget. On Sky Sports Radio, the traffic report. Get caught using a mobile phone illegally this holiday period and you'll face double the points. With double demerits in force until Tuesday, April 25, you can stop it or cop it. Hoxton Park was a two-car crash on Carpasta Road approaching Currajong Road, closed heading southbound there. The Kember was seeing delays northbound on King George's Road at Punchbowl Road as well. Sydney CBD, emergency roadworks on York Street at Druitt Street, eastbound traffic delays. This weekend only at Amart, get 10% of your purchase price back in Amart gift cards when you spend $499 or more. T's and C's apply. Only valid in-store this weekend at Amart. I'm Thomas Reeve, number one in racing on Sky Sports Radio. On the big sports breakfast, interstate weather. Sydney today, some showers about a top of 23 degrees. Melbourne, partly cloudy in 20. 
Brisbane, mostly sunny for Sunday. Lovely day, top of 27 degrees in Brisbane. Perth, also a sunny Sunday. Some smoke haze about, a top of 28. Adelaide, sunny and 25. Hobart, sunny, bit cool, just 18 degrees there. Darwin, also a sunny Sunday, top of 34. And Canberra, some morning fog about, heading for a top of 21 degrees. Reynolds inside to Mam on the last. Ezra Mam throws a dummy. No oh, way. what a ball! Oh, oh, oh. A magic ball to Adam Reynolds. Breaks here for Tulio. That'll do it, surely. His work goes underreported, but not undervalued by those Mariners fans. Oh, field goal. Hines to make it 13. It's bounced through. It's Only Nico Hines can do that. Low cross comes in. Castagna with his left foot. Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. Very shortly, Peter Peters will join us. We'll talk to Hannah Williams after her two wins from two rides at Hawkesbury yesterday. Wayne's let us know that the league super quiz score, 6-4 my way. 6-4. Very early days, though. Jared Daffy will join us a little later with all the sporting odds, and Phil Moss will come on to talk the world of football. Speaking of which, Jamie McLaren scored three goals last night for Melbourne City. His, his hat-trick took him to 143 A-League goals, a new record, breaking Basart Barisha's Mark of 142. 143. So he's a, a great effort, isn't striker, it? isn't he, Jamie McLaren? A Socceroo striker and a, a real goal scorer, obviously. So. You know who I'd not want to be today, Ray? I reckon he might be just a tad edgy, mm-hmm. Anthony Seabold. Mm-hmm. I think they'll beat the Tigers. But you know what? Every loss the Tigers have, they're playing them at Campbelltown at 4 o'clock. You get the feeling they're closer to a win. The team that plays them has got everything to lose and nothing to gain. I think Manly will win. But I just get the feeling that there'll be a few nervous Manly players praying that today isn't the day that, they, that the Tigers turn things around and have a bold and strong performance. Because it's, it's going to happen. Nice little segue into our next guest. I wonder if he's feeling nervous about this game. Peter Peters, good morning. And is Dino Ryder, the, the Tigers, edging closer to that breakthrough win? Good morning, Zorb. Morning, Ray. Morning, Bulldog. Yeah, I'm always concerned... Um I've always lived my life, you know, you, you play with dogs, you catch fleas. And that could easily happen to Manly today. They're playing the bottom of the table, yet to win a game. Um, teams coming off the bye do well. Uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be concerned about it if Manly played with the same intensity that they played um, Melbourne with a couple of weeks ago, uh, last week. Mm. Uh, they'll win and they'll win easily. But um, games of football in, um, in the NRL are... Um, are a lottery these days. This is a closer competition than we've seen uh, in recent years. And uh, Bulldog's 100% right, as it normally is. It's <laughs> very nice of you to say that, Peter, early on in the segment. Well, it's only early. <laughs> I get carried away. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's setting you up, Dino. <laughs> hip drop, Zorba. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I'm confused as to what constitutes a hip drop. I think the punters don't know. The players don't know. Some of the coaches don't even know. Do you know? Bulldog... Everywhere I've gone in the last week, people have asked me to explain the hip drop. And I'm struggling. I, um, I'm constantly being asked what constitutes a, um, 
a hip drop tackle, and, and I opened my mid. I can't. I, I thought the pain half drop on Regal Campbell-Gillard is a perfect example of a hip drop, but on reflection and looking at it a couple of times, I think it was the position he was in. I, I don't think it was, but there's got to be an answer to it, and the NRL have got to come up with it. Um, coaches, fans and players are confused at the moment, as are people in the media that you know write about the game for a living. The NRL needs to explain. I think a lot of the hip drop problems are being caused by a third man in. Coming in third man, they're causing the damage. <coughs> Pardon me. I think we've got to restrict the tackles to two, and the referees have got to call held a lot quicker than they are. Players standing there, not going anywhere, like statues holding the football, are a prime target for a hip-drop tackle. We've got to take that out of the game. So Zorba, you're saying two and a tackle only? Tackles to two. And if there's any more than two, it's a penalty. So two, tack- two and a tackle only. That's what you think would fix this problem. Well, I think is that across the board? Yep. That's that's a fairly bold statement. That would take the gang tackle out of rugby league. Yeah, it would. And I think it's a blot on the game anyway. Okay. If two guys can't make a tackle, then then they're struggling. You know, getting three and four in, it's there to slow the game up. Yeah. So let's eliminate a bit of that. Um, cool hell quicker. Two in the tackle. And I think we'd see the hip drop disappear. Little blokes go in for a tackle, Zorba, and they try to pull the big blokes down. So clearly gravity's going to take them to the ground and they're being pinned for a hip drop. If you want to be a little bloke playing the game, they're the problems you face. Go and play something else. Exactly. But they, they're doing their best, King. They're doing their they best are. to hit the bloke to the ground. They shouldn't be penalised for that. No, they shouldn't be. But the league's got to come up with an answer. And I think this is part way to the answer. Yeah, it's an interesting debate, and it won't die down overnight. Speaking of debate, I asked Dino earlier. He thinks the Jack White issue could be resolved sometime this week. Any mails, Orb? Well, no, I've got no mail on that. But the shopping around by Jack White and late this week, I think, is a blot on the game. And in my view, it does White no favours. He's been spotted, surprise, surprise, in Brisbane talking to the Dolphins, and in Redfern, talking to the Rabbitohs. Canberra have already tabled their offer, and it's a good one. Four, four years, $4.4 million. Smart by Canberra, because the league are going to put him in the salary cap at that figure. Now, I, I believe Whiten owes some loyalty to Canberra. At every drama, and there's been plenty in his career... The Raiders, and particularly their coach, have stuck by him when other clubs would have showed him the door. I hate this part of our game when, with nearly a full season yet to play, players are out there looking at real estate, talking to rival clubs. It's all sure he's allowed to look after his future, the current rules, But the situation stinks. And as for Jared, as for um, Whiten being unavailable for New South Wales this season... Who really cares? I don't his form's been all that good anyway. Surely, though, a player can visit a club, Zorba, that he may well sign with, particularly if his incumbent club has the buy. I think flaunting it like he has this week, the media have been across every step that White has made in his couple of days off. Has now, he flaunted, or has it just been a matter of the media's found out? Well, 
come on, you know what managers are like. What, what right. signal? So what signal? It's a bad look. Yeah. What what signal does it send to his teammates at Canberra? Pardon? What signal does that send to his teammates at Canberra? Exactly right. He's going to go back to training this week after a couple of days off, and oh, you've been looking at real estate at. Um, uh, near so and so at um, at South Sydney, you get on well with Latrell. You get on well with their uh, um, with the captain Cameron Murray. You might buy any of them. Um, you know, I mean, rugby league's been good to these blokes. He'd have been looking at a house or a shack at South Yass if it wasn't for rugby league. <laughs> hey Zorb, back onto the field Thursday night. Rabbitohs twenty, Panthers eighteen. What a game of footy, Zorb! What a cracker mm. game of the season. Yeah. South scoring two late tries down what is fast becoming a famous left side um, for South Sydney to pit the Panthers 20 to 18. South Stars Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell stood up when needed, but their young forwards lost nothing in comparison up front. Um, what about Panthers centre Stephen Crichton? All his teams 18 points. Got the goal kicking duties on a rare occasion. Didn't do badly, and he loses the game. I thought. Um, Great game of football. Mm. I want to give a wrap to Tom Burgess. I reckon he's in career-best form and showing the way to that South Sydney pack. Yeah, he's certainly South going well, isn't he? flying at the moment, but there remains a little elephant with tattoos in the corner. South look like being in the big end of season games, and I've picked them to win the comp. Their biggest bogeyman will be driving one of their biggest rivals. It's well over a year and a bit now since Adam Reynolds left South for Brisbane and is a major reason why the Broncos leads the competition. Seven wins from eight. Reynolds kicked Para to death in the heat and the rain in Darwin on Friday night and he's in brilliant touch. Mm. Lachlan Ilias continues to improve at South, but he's no Adam Reynolds and won't ever be. Next Friday night, the blockbuster. Broncos versus South Sydney, but... The Broncos, no pain has, no Ezra Mam because of hip drops. You're yeah, blight on the game, Dino. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's spot on there, Zorba. What about um, Caleb, uh, Caleb Ponga yeah. last night? Zorb, good to see him back, got through the game and had some nice touches. Great to see him back. He's a star of our game. We need all our stars shining. And, and for him, as a young person who loves the game... Um, he did enough in his comeback 50-odd minutes to suggest he'll again light up the night's attack. Unlucky to lose Newcastle to the Cowboys in Townsville. Um, Newcastle are much improved. Four astute buys in Marzu, Tyson Gamble, Lockie Miller and Jackson Hastings, all four having excellent seasons so far. And the Knights are much improved. Yep, yeah, they were unlucky last night. Hey, so we got four games actually to complete the Anzac Day round. So I had a bad day in the punt yesterday, Zorb. So can you help me out? Today's games: Dolphins versus Titans at two p.m. Tigers take on your Seagulls four o five p.m. And then we've got the two big games on Anzac Day four o five p.m. That traditional clash: the Roosters versus the Dragons, followed then by the Storm and the Warriors. How do you see these four games, Zorb? Well, terrific games. I'm looking forward to them. I love Anzac uh, round, and um, and I think it's great that the game salutes our um, our Anzacs. Um, Titans to beat the Dolphins at Suncorp. I think the Titans have got a lot of attack in them. Mm. Manly should overcome the West Tigers, but I'm wary. 
I think it'll be closer than most expect. This is to beat the Dragons and the Storm to beat the Warriors. Yeah, four great games. I'll be texting this afternoon, Zor. Best of luck with your Seagulls against the Tigers. It will be a difficult clash. Just on the latest tab odds, head-to-head, the Tigers are three seventy. The Seagulls are $1.28. In the Dolphins-Gold Coast game, head-to-head, Dolphins $1.74. The Gold Coast are two ten. And Tuesday's games, the Roosters, they're pretty hot favourites at $1.20. The Dragons, four fifty. Melbourne Storm $1.24 for their clash with the Warriors at 4.10. Enjoy the footy today, Zorb, and enjoy Anzac Day footy as well, mate. Thanks, Zorb. Good on you, boys. Cheers. There's Peter Peters talking all things rugby league. He's a bit wary about the Tigers today, Dino, as you quite rightly point out. I suppose every loss you have, you're one step closer to a win, aren't you? I spoke to Anthony Seabold about this during the week, Ray, and he said, you know, I said, any fear of complacency, he said, well, we've got nothing to be complacent about. Hmm. But you do get the feeling that Tigers, and the roster's not that bad. Yeah. That uh, you know a win will happen, and it'll happen soon. And the side that gets beaten will no doubt be ridiculed. Yeah. But that's rugby league, and is, they're yeah. at Campbelltown today. I think they'll give a real red hot crack this afternoon, West be, Tigers. It's gonna be an interesting game. Pete's been waiting patiently on the line. Pete, good morning. Old Pete, I'm 86 hey. in a couple of days. Get on you, old Pete. Haven't heard from you for a while. No, no I've been ringing up. I thought I must have been on the bar list. So oh, what have I sorry, done wrong? <laughs> anyway. Um, good to hear you again, Pete. Good, yeah. A couple of, I just want to say one thing on rugby league. It's wonderful and it's great for the game when you go to Newcastle. You know you're going to get a high even if you win. You go to Wollongong and, 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 uh, and Canberra. They're the things. And if you've got to cross the Tasman. Mm. That makes the competition when the when the, yeah. even if you win, you know you've had a game. Yeah, enjoying and the footy, Pete, because the game oh, yeah, been, been so yeah, close, haven't they? Yeah, you know? yeah, it's good. And uh, what I want to say, my finest Australian uh, sporting achievement ever yeah. was when Lou Hoad beat uh, Tony Trabert in the 1954 Challenge Round. Huge crowds before television. Davis when they Cup, played wasn't tennis, it, Davis when Cup. the ball went over the net half a dozen times at least, not not yeah. not three aces in a game, and it was fabulous. And uh, he, you know, he was probably at 18 years of age, our greatest ever talent. Yeah, he was. And, a, uh, I can't, uh, yeah. I can't think of anyone. You know, I, I look through my memory. You know, the champion golfers, the footballers, the cricketers, and so on. Yeah. But he was just supreme, and he beat the world's best that day in five sets that went for hour after hour. They had to cancel the second, the last round to the next day. It went that long. Yeah, no, I've, my late father used to talk about how good Lou Hode was, and uh, he oh, was, he was marvellous, and yeah. you know, it was just. You know, yeah, he died a very young man. Yeah, he's forty, but he was. He did. Yeah, it was very sad. Yeah. Hey, Pete, really nice to hear from you. And um, yeah, Lou Hode was a tremendous talent there, Dino. Uh, Richard Texin Ray, great Australian fighting spirit, Johnny Famijon, yes. a world boxing champion, who would recover from car accident injuries. Certainly was a champion. Paul from Bankstown, Shane Webke, the Broncos prop, played the two thousand grand final against the Roosters. With an arm fracture, he oh, carried the injury that, Dino, yeah. for several weeks. Is that right, is it? Late oh, he had the big cast the on, didn't he? Big, the big um, he did on his arm. That's right. He did. I think Shane's on the line. Dino, Shane, good morning. G'day, Ray. Dino, how are you, mate? Good, Terrific, Shane. mate. What do you got for us, Shane? 
Look, um, Zorba does my head in feeding. I know he only played for a meat pie and a can of Fanta back in the 70s, but Jack Whiten has all the right in the world to go shopping himself around. If he wants to go to the Dolphins and see Uncle Wayne, go there. If he wants to go to the Rabbits and play with Latrell, go there. He doesn't owe anything to the Raiders. Players have played up in the past. He's setting himself up for the future. If he wants the money, he'll stay. If he wants a new life, Dolphins. If he wants a premiership, South. Simple as that. Zorba, you're showing your jealousy, man. Shane, I think if the Raiders were playing this weekend, I'd almost be on Zorba's side. But they got the bye. Mm. He's allowed to go around. Mm. I don't particularly like hawking themselves around, Shane, but it's just the way of the world these days. Exploring the option. They all do it, and they're entitled to do it, and they're entitled to look after themselves and their families the best way they know how. And Mm. if Jack White wants to come and meet Jason Dimitro and Wayne Bennett, they've got the bye. No doubt he's got approval from the Raiders. I don't have a beef with it. I think that's the key, and uh, uh, Shane, I'm not sure if you know, but has he got approval from the Raiders? Uh, look, I, I don't know that, Ray, but to, I would, I would imagine so. He's going to be in the media. Yeah. There's no point trying to hide it. Exactly. You know, good call, Shane, and um, it, it is interesting. I just wonder what message it sends to his teammates, as long, though, as he has got permission to do that, and you would think he would have, Dino. Well, those same teammates, Ray, might be off contract next year, yeah, and they true. might have to go through the same process. Good it's point. the way of the world these days. Yeah. Players chop and change. All the time, more so now than in recent eras. Yeah, prof- but professional athletes. Exactly yeah. right. Listen to Dino and Ray on the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. This is Sky Sports Radio. Heard throughout New South Wales, including Casino, 87.6 FM, Murrurundi, 98.5 FM, Hilston, 87.6 FM, and Dubbo on 90.3 FM. Experience city-class racing country style at the Darley Scone Cup Carnival. It's the richest country racing carnival in Australia with over $2 million on offer across two fantastic days in May. Highlighted by the Darley Scone Cup and the Group 3 Emirates Park Dark Jewel. With fashions on the field and Bjorn again live after the last race on Saturday, it's the Country Cup Carnival not to be missed. The Darley Scone Cup Carnival, May 12 and 13. For hospitality packages and tickets, go to sconeraceclub.com.au. Where do you go for all the biggest and best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue? Totally Workwear bridled me. With the temperature cooling, now is the time to get in store and check out the massive range of pants, jackets and jumpers. Just what you need to keep warm this winter. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear bridled me. 279 Victoria Road, opposite Bunnings and Maccas. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. Experience city-class racing country style at the Darley Scone Cup Carnival. It's the richest country racing carnival in Australia with over $2 million on offer across two fantastic days in May. Highlighted by the Darley Scone Cup and the Group 3 Emirates Park Dark Jewel. With fashions on the field and Bjorn again live after the last race on Saturday, it's the Country Cup Carnival not to be missed. The Darley Scone Cup Carnival, May 12 and 13. For hospitality packages and tickets, go to sconeraceclub.com.au. The only place to catch the very best equine superstars from around the globe. First time, every time, is right here. Live and exclusive across the Sky Racing Network. Penthouse the leader, 150 to go. Dollar Magic gets up on the inside, but Penthouse is still the leader. She's running about a bit under pressure, but Penthouse is clear, and Penthouse is going to be too good and won the highway from Dollar Magic, photo third. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend.
And that was Penthouse winning the highway, the first of two winners for Apprentice Hannah Williams. She then backed it up later on the day to win on Delacour. They were her only two rides at the Hawkesbury meeting yesterday, which carries metropolitan status. And I'm pleased to say Hannah's joining us on a Sunday morning. Hannah, good morning. Congratulations on the double yesterday. And well, firstly, Penthouse, um, we know she's a talented filly. That was a brilliant speed display by her. Yeah, um, good morning. Um, yeah, she um, sort of was able to, to overcome that wide that wide draw. Um, that was always going to be a little bit of a query. But, um, yeah, she was able to have that speed early and late. Mm. And Delacour, you've got a really good affinity with her. I think even Norm Gardner, the trainer, said that you seem to have found the key to this mare. She used to over-race a lot, but you've seemed to get her to settle now and she's really flying the line, Hannah. Yeah, she she is finding the line well. She's she's really really is in form at the moment. Um, she is a bit of a funny horse. She's sort of just got to stay out of her way a little bit and, and work with her more than against her. And she she does seem to settle for me quite well, and and we get along. So um, I'm really grateful to have kept the ride on her. Yeah, fantastic. When you were travelling to the races yesterday, Hannah, what sort of chances did you think Penthouse and Delacour were? And what were you thinking driving home with your first Sydney Saturday double? I was um, <laughs> sort of going to the races. I had trialled that penthouse maybe a month or so ago, or maybe a little bit longer. But um, I was I was quietly confident with her. Mm-hmm. Again, it was just that draw and the weight that she had too. But I was pretty confident um, that she would definitely be going close. And, and Delacour, she's in really good form. You know, you look at her form a little bit further back and she had a little bit of a a moment where she was won, won three or four in a row. So I was a little bit confident with her too, but obviously she was um, against some classier horses, and um, but she had little weight too. So mm. they were both, I thought, I, was, I thought they could both finish in the first four and run good races. Hannah, victory with Delacour obviously was a thrill in itself, but you've also managed to roll the world's best jockey, J-Mac, <laughs> in doing so. <laughs> That must have been yeah. an enormous thrill. And did he say anything to you after the race? He didn't. Not not that I could hear, but it's not every day that you do get to ride with someone like James himself. Um, so to, to, to come across the line next to him was just not something you get to do every day. So it was, just, it was, it was a good moment. Yeah. Well, well, well Hannah, you, you claim three. So that's going to come in very handy going into the winter months in Sydney. Are you hoping and planning to ride more in the metropolitan area in the coming weeks and months? Um, I do hope so. I'm, I'm probably more keen on sticking to provincial and I've still got a three kilo claim provincial too, yep. mm-hmm. um, but I most definitely won't be turning down any opportunities such as yesterday either. So um, I sort of, I'll take it as it comes, but I'm, I'm definitely hoping to put my foot in the door a little bit more. Well, I think you certainly did yesterday. And I hope you don't mind me saying, Hannah, and Dino might have a go at me, but I asked (laughs) Hannah yesterday and she's 24 years old. I think you said this is your third year as an apprentice. So you started a little later than most. Was was it always your plan to be an apprentice jockey, Hannah? Um, I I rode work for a lot of years before. um, And it it sort of just came to a time where I didn't think there was anything else that that I'd want to be doing, you know, I become really passionate about it and wanted to take it. I just wanted to be more serious with it, you know, and I thought uh, being a jockey suited me. Yeah. Um, but it took a while, but I got there. But was there a family background in the sport? Because I often, no. hear, yeah, I often hear from people that one of the hardest things 
in racing is finding, as to use your expression, a foot in the door. So how did you, if you had no background in the sport, how did you come about getting into racing? Um, so uh, at the start, I, I literally just, I've always had horses. My family have always had horses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I ever knew. So when I was about 16 or 17, I, I needed a job and I actually walked down to um, Brett Kavanagh's in Aubrey and um, I asked for a job and I started on the ground there for six months or so and they um, soon worked out that I could ride and I ended up riding a, a fair few pre-trainers for them and sort of got the ball rolling through there and um, I spent a little bit of time in Victoria with um, over at Wodonga there um, and just found myself falling into wanting to be an apprentice. Once it gets in your blood, this sport, Annie, you can't shake it, can you? No, that's just it. And you just thrive for more and more. Mm. Um, you, you literally get addicted to it. And it's just, it's a great journey. Hannah, for those listening that don't know a lot about you, where were you born and what are your interests outside of racing? Um, I was born, I was in Wodonga. Um, and outside, it's not far from racing, but I, mm. I've always had my own horses. Um, if I'm not sort of working or racing, I'm, I'm out with my own horses. Um, I did a lot of eventing early, so I don't have much time for it now. So if I do have time, I'm virtually just hanging out with, with other horses. <laughs> Fair enough. And despite the double yesterday, I dare say you went back to work this morning, although you might have an afternoon off. I see, Hannah, because your horse, you had one mount at Wagga, has been scratched. So is it a rare Sunday off for you? It actually is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, had to, we had to wake you up. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. He's not really was... sorry, Hannah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, um, seven o'clock is a good sleep in, in the racing industry, I think. It is, yeah. Look, Hannah, great um, to see you have success yesterday. I hope it's the first of many winners. I'm sure it will be. I think we'll see you back in Sydney on Tuesday at the Anzac Day meeting at the Kensington track. So that'll be great. Congratulations on the double yesterday and, and thanks so much for joining us on a Sunday morning. No, thank you so much. It was um, definitely a, a big thrill. So, um, yeah, very happy. Thank you. Thanks so much, Hannah. First of many, Thank I'm you. sure. There's Hannah Williams. Great to see you yesterday. And it would have been daunting in some respects to walk into that jockey's room when you've got James McDonald and Joe Maria and Karen McAvoy, some absolute superstars. But doesn't she handle herself well? You'd either be excited or intimidated. I guess yeah. there's probably a mixture of both there. But you look around that room and it's, I guess it's like a kid who's 18 making his debut yeah. in the NRL. You look around the dressing room and you see all the stars you you grew up idolising. Yeah. And it can be very daunting, Ray. But what struck me was that she was confident and she was measured and um, she didn't let the the, 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 the the moment overcome her and she went out and did a job, which was fantastic and great scenes. You know you're blessed. Mm-hmm. All the people that come on this show in racing are so accommodating. I know. Yeah. In rugby league, we're not like that, Ray. You know, there are some good people in rugby league and some that look after the media. But a lot of the players don't want to get involved. They think it's a God-given right that their sport should be all over the back page every day. And it can be very difficult. But when it comes to racing people on this show, wow, you're yeah. very lucky, mate. I say it all the time um, as a journo in racing, you're very, very lucky. You can get access to these people 24-7, the trainers, the jockeys, the owners. And, and I guess in a sense they, they're happy to promote the sport because um, there's so much competition now in the old days when it was just – footy, cricket and racing, it's gone now and but um, they are tremendous to the media. Hey Dino League Super Quiz time, score check 6-4. Okay, so call now on 13-53-53 that's 13-53-53 to be part of the League Super Quiz
This is Sky Sports Radio. Heard throughout New South Wales, including Brewarrina, 96.1 FM. Kempsey, 101.5 FM. Narendra, 88 FM. And Lightning Ridge, 98.5 FM. Get live racing on tap with a tap up. See every earth shattering race live. With not one, not two, but all three Sky Racing channels. Plus tips from Sky experts. And a bit of this. This too. Some of this. And this. For all three Sky Racing channels on tap, download the tap app. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Experience city-class racing country-style at the Darley Scone Cup Carnival. It's the richest country racing carnival in Australia, with over $2 million on offer across two fantastic days in May. Highlighted by the Darley Scone Cup and the Group 3 Emirates Park Dark Jewel. With fashions on the field and Bjorn again live after the last race on Saturday, it's the Country Cup Carnival not to be missed. The Darley Scone Cup Carnival, May 12 and 13. For hospitality packages and tickets, go to sconeraceclub.com.au. Star Turn Cult with everything going for him. Joe Pride, Bob's, Inkless Race Series, Winning Dam, prices from 2200 for 2.5%. For PDSC, Hancocks.com.au, AFSL22765. Hancocks.com.au. Pick your favourite Kia. From the award winning Kia Sportage to the street cred delivering Kia Seltos. Or Kia's most powerful car ever, the all-electric EV6 GT. Book a test drive today to find your chosen one. Find out more at kia.com.au or drop into your nearest Kia dealer. Kia, movement that inspires. And Megan Kang looking to win for the first time in the LPGA Tour. Making the putt to get it to double figures. Ten under par, up by one over Allison Corpus as a new era is underway in women's major championship golf. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. And welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray, about to do the league super quiz. Dino, a couple of SMSs here. Yes, Snackers from Canberra. Hearing you guys talk to Richard about food at Hawkesbury, perhaps a talk topic for discussion. Best catered sporting events. Adelaide, he's got here. Beans at Hawkesbury, (laughs) which Richard loves. Um, Horsburgh hot dog at Bruce Stadium. Okay. So what about next week? We'll get our listeners to mm-hmm. put their thinking caps on this week. Best and worst meal or snack you've had at a sporting event? I, it makes you think about it. I, I remember the days when I was a kid, used to go to Penrith Park. and Remember the, the square Big Ben pies? Oh, I loved them. They were outstanding. You know remember what? the smell coming from the, oh. the van? You used to... Couldn't ignore it. You're going to get a big Ben pie, you know. I go to Coles this very day and still hunt for the square pies. But they no, get them, I cannot you? find one. There's a square pie out oh, there. Oh, no, you've got to get Garlos. Well, Garlos, but I think they're round <laughs> as well. If there's a square pie out there, can you please let me know because I want to go and buy some. Can you still get big Ben pies? I think they might be gone. Oh, okay. We're showing our age now. I mm-hmm. am going to precede next week's talk topic. I remember I had a hot dog at Yankee Stadium. Beautiful. The big long one. Devoured it. Yeah, I remember it was massive, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. But that was the old Yankee same I was there. Though. Yes. What about the beer? 
jugs. The jugs. You asked for a beer. <laughs> Only had one. <laughs> oh, you couldn't drink Left it. Left at half time, but they go for a sleep. Okay, a $100 cash card courtesy of Tab is Heads, up please, for Steve. in the league super quiz. Here's producer Steve. Coin toss. Heads it is. Heads it is for Dino. I might lead us onto the field, mm-hmm. and that would be you. Brian, are you there? Yeah, how you going, mate? I'm really well, mate. How are you? Good, mate. That's good. Brian, let's rip into these questions. Best eh? of luck, Brian. Question one. Who scored all of the Panthers' points in their 2018 loss to South on Thursday night? All Panthers' uh, points. Oh, would it be uh, the centre? He's uh, going to Canterbury. That's close enough. Oh, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on. What do we got? Oh, that's been denied. Sorry, Brian. You're referring to Stephen Crichton, no doubt. Yeah. It's just to see saying thumbs up or thumbs down. Up or down. No, thumbs thumbs down. down. Sorry, Brian. You were very close, but didn't get the name out. Stephen Crichton. Question two. What year uh, were the North Queensland Cowboys Club founded? A, 92, B, 94, C, 95. 93? <laughs> that wasn't one of the three. It was a good effort. That's got here 1992, first game 1995. Anyway, good effort right. there, Brian. Question three. Who has scored the most points in the NRL for 2023? Is it A, Mitchell Moses, B, Jermaine Asako, or C, Latrell Mitchell? Moses. No, actually, it's Luttrell. I'm not sure exactly how many he's got, but he is the number one at the moment. Brian, none from three. Not great, but Ray? Tough, Brian. Over to you. Okay, we've got John on the line. John, good morning. Good morning, mate. This is a piece of cake. Oh, <laughs> hey, John. Confidence, I love it. Okay, like Ray with his Carlton Blues. No, no, they've <laughs> crashed and burned. They've got St Kilda today. That won't, be, that won't be pretty. Hey, best of luck, John. Question Cheers, number mate. one. What are the four official colours on the Penrith Panthers home jersey? Black, white, it's Gonski. Yellow? Yeah, unfortunately, John, it's black, red, yellow, and green. Uh, Black, red, yellow, and green. Okay, question number two. We need this one, John. It's multiple choice. Where was Rabbitohs Isaiah Tass born? A, Mackay, B, Musselbrook, C, Melton. Musselbrook. Oh, oh, the piece of cake's being uh, slowly being evaporating okay. here, isn't it? We need, this. <laughs> we need this one, John. Multiple choice again. What year did North Sydney play their last game oh, in the NRL as the Bears? A, 1997. B, 1999. C, 2001. 97. Oh, no. We're in a tie-break situation, no John. Okay. Oh, be safe. <laughs> well, you've still got a chance, John, so here we go. This is a tie-breaker question. How many tries has Tom Trebojevic scored in his NRL career? Now, John, the answer is between 1 and 100 tries. What do you think, John? We might have, have we lost John there? We might have lost him. I might go to Brian. Are you there, Brian? All sorts of things are happening. No, in the all quiz sorts here. Of, but hang well, on. Well, hang on. We'll have to go back to John because. Well, John might be away Googling it right now. 
This is major drama. Can't hear the question. Oh, John, you're still there? Yeah. Okay. Did you hear the question? No. Okay. <clears throat> if you can hear me, how many tries has Tom Trebojevic scored in his NRL career, John? And the answer is between one and 100 tries. Oh, 71. Okay. Stay on the line, John. Over to you, Dino. Yep. Uh, Brian, <clears throat> you're in a tiebreaker. You got Brian there now, John. You there, Brian? Dino, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're in a tiebreaker, and the question is, or the um, yeah, the tiebreaker to split is how many tries has Tom Trebojevic scored in his NRL career? And the answer is between one and one hundred. I say forty-eight. No. Bad luck. We'll go back to John. Hey, John, hopefully you're on the line there. We're trying to get him back. Um, he was confident. Hey, John, you're yeah. there? Yeah. Congratulations, mate. You got the job done. It took a while. But I got the egg off your face. Yeah. The answer is actually he scored 83 tries with many more uh. to come. Hey, John, you've won the $100 cash card courtesy of Tab. So, mate, stay on the line. We'll get all your details and get that out to you as soon as we can. Ray, yeah. if you're a man of honour and integrity mm-hmm. and class and style that we all know that you are. Yeah. Where's this going? To claim a win when the bloke gets naught from three, I think should almost be null and void. Well, it was a bit of a dicey one, wasn't it? Because we had the disaster. What about my man? (laughs) Says 93. Wasn't part of the options. Anyway, God love you, Brian. Thanks for coming on the show. Will we ever get through a league super quiz when there's no controversy, there's no disaster, there's no drama? So how do we know John didn't pretend to not hear the tiebreaker? Mm Mm-hmm. Go away, Google it, and then come back on well, air. Wouldn't you come back with 83 well, or 82? But, but that's the genius. If you did that, you'd know you'd get caught. Yeah, no, I think he's an honest man. Okay. Yeah. What, what about you? this man? On the Big Sports Breakfast. Well, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Where do missing socks go? How do you throw away a garbage can? Do fish sleep? Why do donuts have holes? If you find out, can you let me know, please? Jared Daffy's Words of Wisdom. What was Captain Hook's name before he got the hook? <laughs> There's a message there somewhere. Jared Daffy, good morning. What was Captain Hook's name before he got the hook? Hey, Jared, what do you got for us today? Morning, boys. If croutons are stale bread, why do they come in airtight packages? <laughs> Very good point. Like yeah. it? Yeah, I like it, yeah. Very good. Actually, that's a good point. They are sort of like stale bread, aren't they? You, you like them when you... Well, they must watch it. They must get some bread and say, we'll make some croutons out of this. Just sit it on the bench for a few days and then package it up in an airtight package. You That's know, the only way I can think of it. You know what you've done, Jerry, don't you? No. I'll never eat a crouton again. <laughs> what about the use-by date too, Jerry? If it's been sitting there for a week anyway. Well, was that my one last week, the use-by date on uh, That's right. water from the mountains? That's it. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Been there for centuries. <laughs> hey, very good. Hey, um, Jerry, the footy's been great this weekend. We've still got four games to go to complete the Anzac Day round, Jerry. Well, I don't know about you boys, but I'm looking forward to this one today. Dolphins v Gold Coast for various reasons, and the Dolphins are the faves, a dollar seventy-four. Gold Coast two dollars ten. We've got a small line there of two and a half points in favour of the Dolphins. I think if we had a price set one before round one, they would have been hefty outsiders, mm. but uh, their form's been good and. Gold Coast questionable. Uh, that will be followed by West Tigers uh, getting out in the market. They're $3.70 to beat Manly, $1.28, a line of 10.5 points. Then the double header on Tuesday. 
The Roosters $1.20, the Dragons $4.50. That line is 13 and a half. It was 11, 12, and now 13. And there's been some sort of interest in the Warriors with the start. Now, uh, they're $4.10 against Melbourne, who were $1.24. Obviously, that game in Melbourne. And the line was 13, 12. It's now 11 and a half points. Okay. So we do finish off with some shorties, but bit of interest in uh, the Warriors there at the plus. They're going well this year, the Warriors, aren't they? Yeah. They are, they are. And the Origin up, they're getting closer and closer to Origin. The prices haven't changed. Um, everybody I talk to says that Queensland are an attractive price in Game 1. It's Wednesday, 31 May. Uh, that one in Adelaide, the first one. And the Maroons are $2.30. New South Wales, $1.62. And a line there of 3.5 points. So Queensland fans will be very, very happy with that rate. Mm. Outsiders again. As always. <laughs> yeah. Jared, let me interrupt your segment. I right. asked a moment ago... Where are the square pies gone in society? Yes. My great mate down in Juni, Russ, has mm-hmm. just texted me. Hey, mate, there are square pies aplenty down here in Juni. Ganmain Pies, South Wagga Bakery and the Juni Bakery. There we go. All have square pies. So it looks like we have to do an outside broadcast <laughs> in Juni to have some square pies. Jared, look, it's a very, thumbs up. very good question, but you've missed the best of all. Which is? Clark's Pies in Mortlake. Still got square? Yep. Do you still have them up the Gold Coast, Jared? Uh, no, they're mostly round here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, mostly round. But no, I want to bring them they, do, the round they pie. do exist. Bring back the square pie. <laughs> Hashtag. Mm. I'm with you. Now, Jared, uh, AFL yeah. and the flag. And while you're there, let's rip into the live golf. Oh. Okay, today in the AFL, Hawthorne $3.80, Adelaide $1.27, $24.50. Carlton and St Kilda, I don't know why. But this one, Ray, on Tuesday morning was $1.90, take your pick. It's all one-way traffic for the Saints. They're into $1.74. The Mighty Blues, $2.10 outsiders. Uh, the Gold Coast, gee, they're short, uh, considering their form. They're $1.18 at home today. North Melbourne, $4.80, a big line of 27.5 points. We've got tomorrow night, Monday night, football's back. Melbourne, $1.32. Richmond three dollars forty, a line of twenty four and a half points, and uh, well, I think this is the game of the year, yeah. Anzac Day, Collingwood and Essendon, Collingwood a dollar forty eight, Essendon two dollars sixty five. There's been a heap of interest in Essendon, a line there of fourteen and a half points, and on the back of um, some results this weekend of um, well, they're coming from left, right, and centre outsiders. To win the flag, Collingwood and Melbourne five dollar equal favourites. Geelong have turned it all around. They're into six. Brisbane are six fifty. Sydney out to ten, but I think they'll get longer when we update them tomorrow. Carlton eleven. St Kilda fifteen. Port eighteen. And Adelaide and Essendon twenty one dollars. Interesting. They'll get a hundred thousand at the G on Tuesday. It's sold out. Yeah, it's uh, I think they started selling tickets in early January and it sold out within a matter of hours. It's ninety eight thousand apparently. Wow. Unbelievable. They're getting big crowds at the Live Golf. Are you enjoying it, Jared? I have been, yeah. yeah. I, I, obviously, there's been a lot of fanfare about it. I haven't watched the ball because you've got the only way you can watch it is stream it. So I guess we've had the advantage of that. Some things I like, some things I don't. I guess the purists wouldn't like the, the hoopla around, um, you know, it's sort of like a party hole, but it every is, hole's yeah. a party hole. Yeah. However, uh, we've got, uh, well, he's nearly un- unbeatable, Taylor Gucci would think. He's a dollar oh two to win. But we've got a market there today, what we call favourite out. So it's a market excluding Gooch wherever he finishes, and there will be plenty of interest in this. It only just went up before. Brooks Kepke, the fave there at $4. Cam Smith at 5 uh, Abraham Answer at 6 and then the rest at $10 or better. So there's still a few markets there for Live Golf. And, uh, you know, I know it's got its uh, detractors, um, 
but it's been terrific for our business this week because, of course, it's in Australia and it's on TV. Mm. Jared, NBA today, soccer tonight. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a couple of games behind us in the NBA already. At 9:30, uh, Miami. Now Miami were 280 last night. They're into 225 now, and the reason for that is Big Giannis. Uh, there's some chance he won't be uh, up for today's match. The Bucks. So they were a dollar 46. They're out to a dollar 67. If he plays, that market will change again. That's on in uh, what 40 minutes time. And then we've got the Lakers, $1.48. Memphis, $2.70, a line of five points. On that first match, there's 434 markets on one match. Wow. Obviously, a lot of those are same-game multis, etc. But uh, uh, they're there. And as far as A-League is concerned today, we've got a doubleheader. Melbourne victory, 152. Draw, 450. MacArthur, 550. That will be followed by Perth, 290. Draw 370, Adelaide United 220, and we do have a match tomorrow night. This should be a beauty. Brisbane Raw, 280, draw 340, Sydney FC, $2.40. Plenty of sport to watch, Jared. Enjoy your, your sort of pseudo Anzac Day long weekend. You boys as well. Good on you. There's Thanks, Jared. Jared Daffy talking the world of sporting odds. John's text in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean, Ganmain pies are fantastic. They're the square okay. ones. Down at Junee. We've got to get well, down there. Producer Steve gave the thumbs up for that. When do you want to do that? I'll have to get it on the Friday because that's, oh, it's that's a long a, weekend. That's a booze up. Yeah, commercial red cow, two great country pubs. What about the races Saturday? Go to Wagga Races. We could take in the Junie Trots that night. We could make a real event of it. <laughs> make it a bender. This is getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> I wonder what our next guest thinks of this. Phil Moss, good morning. Well, good morning. I don't do benders with bulldogs, that's for sure. <laughs> You're a smart man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, Jamie McLaren, I, I only made brief mention of it earlier, but. Um, tremendous achievement. We, we speak often about players who just have that goal-scoring nous, and he does it time and time again, Mossy. He does, and we're very lucky to have him in the A-League, Ray. He's, um, you know, usually players of his ilk and, and goal-scoring ability find themselves overseas and, and take the opportunity and go, but he's, yeah, he's really just... Um, He's such a precious gem for the A-League because he puts bums on seats. He's he's so valuable. And, you know, he went into yesterday's game on 140 goals. So he's two behind uh, Bessart Parisha, the former Brisbane and Melbourne victory great. Um, and then he goes and scores a hat-trick to, to emphatically take the title off uh, Bessart um, in his own right. And uh, I just, I love the... The outpouring of emotion from his teammates to celebrate with him, the outpouring of emotion from him himself, his post-match interview on, on Paramount Plus and how he paid credit to his uh, late grandfather, his dad's dad, um, who said, go and be the greatest before he mm-hmm. passed away. And that was a crowning moment for him. So fully, fully deserved. Yeah, it was great scenes, wasn't it? When he got that third goal, his, his own goalkeeper went the length of the field to be part of that celebrations, and you summed that up beautifully, Mossy. Hey, Mossy, we'll stay with the A-League. The Mariners ended Newcastle's season in the F3 derby, and the Wanderers were terrific against Wellington. Yeah, they were. Uh, let's get let's go Wanderers first. That was Friday night, and um, yeah, they were emphatic. They were clinical. Um, they bossed uh, Wellington off off the pitch really, and it was a, a performance that had all the hallmarks of their of their manager Marco Rudan um, up against his uh, former colleague in Ufuk Tallow. They worked together with the, uh, the Australian youth teams. Um, Rudan was um, Ufuk Tallow's uh, assistant coach back then, so. I'm sure there was a little bit of feeling in the two technical areas as well. But um, so, 
you know, that's Western Sydney Wanderers into the finals with some real momentum. Now they've got another game to go, of course. Um, but uh, Wellington, they're on a slippery slide. They, uh, they've they been really struggling of late. Um, you know, they're still in the six and, and I don't see them missing out. Um, but uh, certainly Ufuk Tallo needs to uh, arrest the, uh, the form before the finals kick off. Otherwise, he's not going to leave um, Wellington in, in a um, in a happy state because they've, they've worked so hard to get to where they are. Um, but things are slipping. They're now in six spots, so they've dropped below Sydney FC, who obviously have a game in hand and play uh, play Brisbane tomorrow. Now, Mossy, uh, Sydney FC in the A-League women uh, into the grand final against Western United. They are, Bulldog. This was uh, a late, late win yesterday uh, against Melbourne Victory. Um, and it gives them a chance to finally put to bed that, uh, that three-peat of losses in grand finals. Uh, they've won three on the trot in the Premier's Plate race, but, uh, but the, their grand final record isn't great at the moment. So um, this is a chance for them up against Western United next Sunday at Combank Stadium. Um, to put the record straight and um, and crown that premier's plate uh, three peat with a with a grand final championship, West United into the grand final in their inaugural season. Um, it's mm. the first time they've had a, a team in the A League women, so fantastic work uh, by them. Um, but I think Sydney FC will go into this one as favourites. They've got uh, huge experience um, in big games uh, up against West United's relatively young squad, um, but it should still be a ripper of a game. Yeah, exactly. We'll go to the EPL, Mossy. I want to talk about Arsenal and get your take on them. They've been so solid, so consistent all season, but three consecutive draws, they just managed to get a a late equaliser to share the points against Southampton 3-all. Are they choking? They are. There's no other way of putting it, Ray. Um, You know, they, they were eight points clear of Man City just a few weeks ago. Um, they're now five points clear, and um, Manchester City have uh, two have a game uh, two, two games, two games in hand. Mm-hmm. That's right, including what Pep Guardiola psychologically claimed is the EP uh, the, the Premier League Cup final this mm-hmm. Thursday morning, five a.m. our time. That is going to be uh, must-watch TV. That's uh, the game of the season. And right, look, Man City are favourites now for me. I, I just think Arsenal and and that that thrill draw to Southampton, who are propping the table up. Um, started with a, a terrible um, goalkeeping error by Ramsdale, uh, playing out under pressure. I think it was after 10 seconds or 8 yeah. seconds or something um, to go 1-0 down. So, yeah, the, things like that just show that they're not handling the pressure. This was my my, my major concern all season long. Um, and we can go back through the, the, the segments and find the tapes. But I said the only thing that concerns me is whether they've got the, the experience... Um, to keep calm heads when the pointy end comes around. And uh, it, it seems that that might be biting them in the backside. Mm, exactly. Hey, Mossy, stay with us. For our Queensland listeners, they're going to pass the post now. Mossy, Leicester replaced in the relegation zone by Everton. I don't know if you remember Friday morning, Bulldog, but I said I reckon Leicester are going to claw their way to safety and Everton are on this slippery slide um, that, that's been concerning me. Well, not concerning me personally, being a Liverpool fan, but very, very concerning when you're talking about a massive club like Everton um, sliding into the relegation zone. And, and so it proves it was a, a scoreless draw to Crystal Palace um, that put them in 18th spot. Leicester, as you said, uh, claimed to come from behind win. Harry Sutter didn't play in that one, uh, but they've now moved to 17th spot. 
Um, still on um, equal points with Everton in 18th, but uh, a better goal difference uh, by nine. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good sign for Leicester because I think they can use that now as a, as a confidence builder, just get enough points to stay up. Um, Everton, I, th- I think it's between Everton and Leeds um, to join Nottingham Forest and Southampton to go down. Your Leeds lost to Fulham 2-1, so they're still very much in a precarious position. And save the best for last here, Mossy. How about this game, <laughs> Liverpool and Nottingham Forest? What a cliffhanger. Oh, Ray, I tell you, it, it sums up our season, honestly. Like, it, we, we had to scrap, bollock and bite to get past, um, you know, past the opponents on this occasion. And this is off the back of a 6-1 annihilation of Leeds last weekend. And it's that's Liverpool's season, yeah. so inconsistent. Um, but thankfully, Jota, um, who hadn't scored in a year, one year before the Leeds game last week, has now got four in a week. Um, with uh, two last week and, and two again overnight. So, look, it, it keeps us in the fight for, for Europe. We're now six points uh, below fourth place Newcastle, who play uh, tonight, I think it is. Um, but it gives us a fighting chance of, I hate to say this, but at least at minimum Europa. Mm. Um, but it keeps us in the fight for, for the Champions League as well. Fair enough. Hey, Phil, where are we going with Mossy's multi? Right, let's have a look, Ray. I, uh, I jotted it down, so I will uh, go to it right now. We're going to go with um, a, uh, a an EPL into um, A-League. So Melbourne victory to beat MacArthur, yep. um, into Newcastle to beat Spurs. That's going to be a, a cracking game, I think, uh, tonight. Into um, a draw between Bournemouth and West Ham. I can't split them. Fair enough. Terrific. Uh, Phil, appreciate it as always. We'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Good on you, Mossy. That's Phil Moss talking in the world of football, Dino. Before we go to the nine o'clock news, there's a Mm. protest being lodged about one of the questions in the quiz. Oh, no. All will be revealed and there will be a deep dive (laughs) and dissected after the nine o'clock news. Stay tuned. Hello, I'm Sarah Warmby. The family of late comedian Barry Humphreys says the characters he created will live on. Mr Humphreys has died at the age of 89, surrounded by his family. His seven-decade career began in the 50s and he was best known for portraying the sharp-tongued housewife, Dame Edna Everidge, the much-loved comedian describing the moment he gets into character. There's a point when instead of seeing myself in the mirror, I see someone else. You cross the invisible line, and I realise that I'm not having to do this anymore. I can go home. Edna's going to do the show. Mr Humphreys was awarded an Order of Australia in 1982 and received a Tony in 2000. Entertainment reporter Peter Ford says the iconic comedian was unique. In terms of Australian comedians, I mean, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, you go back to before our time, like, you know, people like Mo McCackie. And then, of course, you've got people who are directly TV entertainers. You know, Barry's style of comedy is so unique. A delegation of more than a dozen Australian business leaders and local government officials leave for China today. The first industry delegation to visit the country for three years. Gail Watson has more. The focus of this week's trip, organised by the Australian-China Business Council, is potential green energy collaboration between Australian and Chinese companies. Representatives from Telstra, Rio Tinto and ANZ among those joining the trip. They'll visit industrial and commercial hubs, including Hong Kong 
and Shenzhen. The Business Council's National President and Chairman David Olson says it's the first Australian industry-wide delegation to visit since China's pandemic reopening and sends a clear signal to China's business community that Australian business is looking to work together on many new trade and investment opportunities. A massive methamphetamine shipment from Mexico to Australia has been blocked from hitting the streets. Australian federal police working in Mexico uncovered plans for a drug cartel to move 45 kilograms of the dangerous drug to Melbourne earlier this month. News Corp reports they alerted customs in Hong Kong that the shipment was on its way. Officers pounced, seizing the haul in machinery used to mould plastics. Investigations are continuing. Pubs and clubs across the country are being urged to prepare themselves for Anzac Day commemorations. Liquor and Gaming New South Wales is advising venues there to make sure they have enough staff to deal with an influx of patrons and host two-up games. The Compliance and Enforcement Director says inspectors will be out monitoring venues. It's a big day, Anzac Day, so we're urging all the licensed venues across New South Wales to plan ahead, uh, make sure that they're adequately staffed, have trained and spoken to their staff ahead of the day and have proper measures in place to make sure that the Anzac Day commemorations are, are safe and responsible. Also in news, almost a quarter of Aussie kids aged between 5 and 14 are spending more than 20 hours a week in front of computers and phones. And today is National Greyhound Adoption Day, encouraging people to offer a forever home to ex-racing dogs. This is Air News. <laughs> Geelong has relived its grand final win, demolishing Sydney by 93 points in the AFL. The Cats dominating play with Patrick Dangerfield delivering six clearances while Tom Hawkins led the goal attack. Dangerfield has told Seven it was really pleasing. There were sort of moments in those first three weeks where the games could have gone either way and we didn't execute the way that we would like. So it's never going as bad as you think, it's never going as well. So there's some pleasing parts of our game that's starting to build. GWS has gone down by 21 points to Brisbane, Port Adelaide beating West Coast by 40 points. To the NRL, the Cowboys have beaten the Sharks 18-16 to in a close game in Townsville. Coach Todd Payton says the win is a relief. Really great performance in the end. We've had to grind away a, a gritty win and um, it was all effort and wasn't always pretty but um, got away with a much needed win. The Sharks too good for the Bulldogs winning 33-20. to Sydney FC is through to the A-League Women's Grand Final after beating Melbourne Victory 1-0. In the men's Melbourne City defeated Western United 3-1. Central Coast has beaten a 10-man Newcastle 3-1. The Jets had Brendan O'Neill red carded on the 60th minute. Across the Tasman, the Waratahs dry season has continued, beaten 55-21 to by the Blues in the Super Rugby. Western Force defeated the the Highlanders 30 to 17 and the Swifts posting a 67 to 66 win over the Vixens in the Super Netball Australian Independent Radio News You know the feeling when your mate's golf ball flies past yours or when you're on the green in regulation but he holds it from the bunker At Drummond Golf we get it that's why we have our lowest price guarantee As Australia's biggest, you can count on our massive buying power for the lowest prices in golf. But if you do happen to find a lower advertised price, we'll beat it. The Drummond Golf Lowest Price Guarantee. Unbeatable. Conditions apply. 
G'day, it's Sean Garlic here from Garlow's Pies. People often ask me, how did a footballer go from sticking his head into a scrum to making pies? Well, it goes back to when we were just so sick of getting pies that all it was was pastry and no meat. So I teamed up with my brother Nathan and we created a pie which is deliciously flaky pastry on top, a bottom which is rolled extra thin and filling which is just bursting with flavour. You can find us in Coles and Woolworths but only in the chilled meals section. If you can't see us, grab the manager and say, where are the Garlow's Pies? Because at Garlow's Pies, we're thin on pastry, we're big on meat. On Sky Sports Radio, the traffic report. Casual speeding is the biggest cause of death and serious injuries on New South Wales roads. Let's all stop being so casual about it. Casual speeding, every K counts. Inside the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, there's been a breakdown southbound blocking the left-hand lane. Queues are starting to build back into North Sydney onto the Warringah Freeway. At Hoxton Park, a crash, corner Cowpasture Road and Tibberborough Road. And emergency works in the CBD closing a couple of lanes of York Street southbound near Druitt Street. Freedom's unmissable homewares event is on, with up to 40% off the entire a range of homewares, including rugs, mirrors, lighting and more. Must end Tuesday only at Freedom. I'm Marty. That's the latest traffic. Number one in racing on Sky Sports Radio. On the big sports breakfast, interstate weather. Sydney today, showers and 23 degrees. Melbourne, partly cloudy and 20. Brisbane, mostly sunny, top of 27 degrees today. Perth, sunny and 28. Possible smoke haze about Adelaide, also sunny and 25. Beautiful day for Hobart, sunny, bit cool, 18 degrees. Darwin, clubhouse leader Dino, sunny and 34 degrees, loving that. Canberra, morning fog about, heading for a top of 21. Reynolds inside to Mam on the last. Ezra Mam throws a dummy. No oh, way. what a ball! <laughs> a magic ball to Adam Reynolds. Breaks here for Tullio. That'll do it, surely. His work goes underreported, but not undervalued by those Mariners fans. Oh, field goal. Hines to make it 13. It's bounced through. It's Only Nico Hines can do that. Low cross comes in. Castagna with his left foot. Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, the big sports breakfast weekend. And welcome back to our final hour. Very shortly, Robert Crash Craddock will join us to talk the Ashes squad and also how good the, the Queensland teams are going this year. The Broncos, Cowboys won last night, Dolphins are going great. Adam Pengilly live from Adelaide to talk live golf. Tanya with the sports update. Phil Buzz Rothfield will join us a little later in this hour to talk all things sport, particularly NRL. And Dino, we went to the nine o'clock news. You left us with a cliffhanger. What's going on? Well, one of the questions in the quiz was, what are the four official colours in the Penrith Panthers home jersey? Mm-hmm. Answers, black, red, yellow, and green. Mm-hmm. However, we've got multiple texts saying, lodge a protest. The numbers are in white, which was the answer that your man gave. Correct. Not only is the number in white... Some of the sponsors in white, the Penrith logo is in white, and the NRL logo is white. But didn't John still win? Yes, I know. But the bottom line <laughs> so is... it's a point, Moot? The, the bottom line is, though, if it's a protest, mm. then it cannot be awarded to John right now. We have to go through the process. Jeez. And I am going to ring the Panthers and find out whether white is officially on their jersey, because at the moment, this has got a pong about it, so Ray. Are you, are you doubting producer Steve's 
meticulous preparation of our quiz questions. No, I'm not. I'm doubting. We well, yeah, I am actually. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> I'm doubting you. No, no name on this one. Dino, you simply have to start cheating. Didn't put again there, but love it. Gary from Newcastle. Croutons are oven dried. Mm. Unlike G. Daffy's theory of they sit on the bench for a week. <laughs> Stale bread. And this is another one. Brian uh, Brian needs to get off the Scooby Snacks when entering 1993 when it wasn't even a choice. That comes in from Dan. <laughs> Crash is listening to us thinking, what the hell am I walking myself into? Robert Craddock, good morning. Honestly, this is a sports show, my friend. How are you? Good. I was just thinking, and a very slow news day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, what do you reckon? Oh, well, each and every week, that bloody quiz crash, it causes us dramas, and it does again. But what has caused Dino and I a bit of drama is the Ashes squad. You're much closer to this than us. Um, we love our cricket. Have they got it right? And I say that because I, I do feel a bit sorry for Cameron Bancroft, Crash. Yeah, look, he he hadn't scored a test century from about 10 appearances. But look, he'd gone away and was the leading run scorer in the Sheffield Shield. Right on the cusp, right, mm. he was. Matt Renshaw got him by a short half head in racing parlance. Renshaw was born in England. He was a Yorkshire uh, up, up the northern part. He played on the outfield with Joe Root as a kid. And is very English in his way and in his batting and has a better test record than Bancroft. But it was a very, very tight call. And if, if you go into bat for Bancroft, on the basis that he was the leading run scorer in the Sheffield Shield, it's a solid argument. Yeah. And we won't know the truth of it for another three months. I, I thought he might have got in ahead of Marcus Harris, Crash. Yeah, well, they, Harris's cards were marked early mm. as uh, a 30-year-old. But I, I must admit, I have never quite got the selectors' infatuation with Harris, given he's played yep. 14 tests for an average of 25. Now, point, yeah. 14 tests spans five series, Ray. Mm. It's a fair body of evidence. There's been good batsmen like Callum Ferguson, who got one test and never yep. played again. 14 for an average of 25. I, I, I'm the same as you. I, I thought Harris was, was very fortunate. Bancroft can consider himself unlucky. Last time they went in 219, he got the last position. He just snuck in ahead of Joe Burns in the trial game. So he probably got one Ashes tour, which he uh, was lucky to get. Yeah. And he, he did fail on it, though, last time. And they did remember that. And there is a feeling that he's got a technique that goes very well in Sheffield Shield, but will be exposed in England. Crash, is there a plan for David Warner or at his age and with his recent runabouts outside of Boxing Day, is it just a game-by-game edict now for yeah. David through England? It's as simple as this, Dean. They've chosen the team for three tests, the World Test Championship against India at Old Trafford and the first two tests they will have a look at David Warner in that first test against India. Now, you may say, oh, hang on, they're using a kookaburra ball, which is a less pronounced seam. It'll do less. And the two English, two Indian seamers aren't Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad. Mm. But I think it's a very, very clear uh, clear uh, trial match for, for Warner. If he can score oh, 40, I reckon he starts the Ashes. If he, if he lost his off stump twice and made two and seven... I reckon his position would be in danger. But uh, I will say this, though. Mohammed Shami and Mohammed Siraj are really good swing bowlers. They are 
facing them under a leaden sky at the Oval. So don't worry. That is a heck of a test for David Warner. If he comes through it, because his opposition is so modest, because Marcus Harris has done nothing and Renshaw's form's patchy, Warner sort of has to fall first up. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, not, you're not looking at a young Michael Slater behind him or a young Matthew Hayden. So, in other words, they're really hoping he can just put the, the grubbiest of 40s on the board at, Alt, at, at uh, the Oval, and then he starts the Ashes. If he fails in the Ashes the first two tests, that, that may well be the end. Mm, that's interesting. I mentioned earlier to Dino, at least the Australians are going over. Obviously, the World Test Championship final is the reason, but they're going to get some game time in English conditions before the Ashes. I think we're really exposed in India without having enough game time prize. That's one positive. Then we come up against an England side which has turned Test cricket on its head. Twelve matches under Brendan McCullum as their manager, Ben Stokes as their captain. They've won ten. They lost one in the very last over in that New Zealand cliffhanger. This basketball, what is it about? Will it stand up to Ashes cricket? Where are England at at the moment, Crash? Well, I, I, I tell you what, they will come out with their broadswords waving. They are totally committed to this game plan, right? And they've got credit points in the bank. If it fails in the ashes, they can still say, oh, well, <laughs> when we started, we'd won one of our previous 17 tests and we've won 10 out of 12. I mean, the worst they could do is lose a couple of tests and be mm-hmm. 10 tests out of 15. I have to say, you know, you guys have seen a lot of sport. Have you ever seen a more stunning turnaround? Incredible. I haven't in yeah. any sport with the same personnel, right? Mm. When, when Ben Stokes was made English captain, there was one other certain selection in the team, Joe Root. <laughs> the, yeah. All other nine positions were up for grabs. And they've, they've, through this incredible philosophy of attack the day, don't regret anything, loosen yourself up, play with freedom, we'll back you. They're playing this stunningly cavalier brand of cricket. And here's the thing. I'm finding in all these series, I'm cheering for England because I, want, I reckon to this is a way yeah. to make Test cricket survive, right? Yeah, it's great to watch. One thing I did want to run past you was a one name, Jofra Archer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on the comeback trail. I, I, their plan is, I think, if, if he can go the journey to, of course, he's had a, a fractured elbow, he's been out and he came, uh, took more than a year out of the game. Um, to use him alternate test with Mark Wood, mm. their other speed machine, and that is a really good attack. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Ben Stokes said to me, give me eight fast bowlers. That's what we said to the selectors. He hasn't got eight, but he's got a pool of really five or six really good ones. Mm. Jimmy Anderson at age 41. Can you believe it? He's mm. still there. Stuart Broad, age 36. Then you've got the very dependable Ollie Robinson, yep. guys like Mark Wood, Archer, um, Wokes and these guys, but 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 they have got a decent attack. It, it's uh, and they will manage it. This five tests in seven weeks, so you have to rotate it. You just do, Ray. And uh, even just talking about it, I'm feeling a real pulse here right now. You know, it's great. It's exciting here, Crash. I'm not so convinced that Basball can stand up under pressure of an elite bowling brigade. Can it? Be as or can they be as aggressive as they want to be against Stark, Hazelwood, Cummings, and Lyon? At their best, I, I don't think they can be because when Australia went over to England last time, they nearly won the series, Dean. And you know what? One of their key game plans was cutting off the boundaries. They, they, they sort of said, we'll, "We'll let you have a big cover drive there, but we'll put a man on the fence." 
And it's amazing how when you cut off the boundaries in England, if you keep them in check, you can buy them. It's incredible that we're seeing a sort of a role reversal. For 50 years, Australia's been the cavalier attackers, haven't they? And we go, oh, the old conservative old palms, nibble and nudge cricket and all that. So I think the teams will meet in the middle. And the bloke, for me, who could turn the whole series on its head is Travis Head. Because the Duke's ball they've been using after 30 overs, Ray, it's become very, very um, not doing much at all. And, and I reckon if he comes in at, at three for 160, something like that, he could just tear them apart. And Cameron Green, he is so vital. A fit Cameron Green coming in at six after Travis Head. He, he can score big runs. He bowls 140 Ks plus. That gives us our fourth pace bowler. He, to me, Head and Green, almost the two most important players in our squad that could potentially win the Ashes for Australia. When you think that a lot of the guys, this is definitive time, Ray, for this squad because they've never won the World Test Championship. They've never won the Ashes in England. Well, guess what? Mm. Tick, tick. Here it is, guys. Here's your definitive moment for, for a generation who've been playing for a decade, no less. You know, your Cummins, your Starks, your Hazelwoods, your Smiths. Your Lions. And, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Lions. This is it right here in front of us. Your point about Green's a good one. I'd like to see him also part of the leadership group because he's a future captain mm. and we never plan ahead with our captains. And I know he's shy, they say, and he spends a lot of time in his room. That's as good enough reason for anything as say, mate, we want you sitting in on the leadership meetings because we think in time you'll be the first man through the gate. Yep. And mate, I remember when all these guys were young, like Steve Waugh was the shyest kid you've Alan ever Border. seen in your life. Alan Border oh, didn't Alan... want leadership, did he? You know? <laughs> didn't want the leadership and sort of, you know, just had no interest. Steve Smith was the kid who couldn't get a date to the Alan Border medal. Remember <laughs> that? Right. All those stories? <laughs> yeah. And they all get there eventually. And, and Cameron Green will. Mm. Crash, tell us about the Broncos, mm. mate. What is the vibe up there in Brisbane? I mean, is there a genuine excitement around this team? And yeah, in your opinion... Are they genuine premiership contenders? Yeah, I think they are because where's the other super team? Okay, the Panthers are very, very good, aren't they? But, you know, I don't see the other... Like, they're, they're not without flaws, but the best thing that happened to Brisbane was missing the finals last year by, after winning 13 games. If they'd have finished eighth and, say, won one final, they would have said, oh, yeah, that wasn't too bad, boys, we're getting there. No, they were filthy beyond belief. Mm. So they stuck it up in the off-season they got in. And um, the other good thing that's happened to them, no doubt, is the Dolphins. This, this team encroaching on their turf, they had an acorn on their seat and it's been the best thing for them. So uh, I'm loving Adam Reynolds, I have to say. Uh, there was a story two weeks ago saying he wants to coach at Brisbane when he retires. And Dean can ask you this, have you ever seen a player more suited to coaching post-career. I haven't. I, I, of all the blokes, footballers and cricketers you've seen, I've never seen a guy more sensible, balanced, and, and just a good thinker on the game that you thought, yeah, yeah, that, that guy's a coach. That guy is a coach. I mean, it's, it's just going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, he's got a great demeanour, hasn't he, mm. Crash? Nothing seems to phase Adam Reynolds. I, I can't recall a moment when on the field or off the field where he's, you know, he's lost the plot or he's had a, a, a hissy player. fit. Yeah. He's just so composed and... Clearly, he's got a wonderful football brain, but you're, you're right, Crash. I can't see how within two to three years after retiring, he'll be in some coaching capacity and maybe five or six years down the track, it'll be at NRL level. Well, and if it is, Crash, way... it might yeah. well be at South Sydney. 
Yeah, well, and it's been a wasteland, hasn't it? Like, I mean, who are the new coaches coming through? Yes, we get Sorrell, though, and, of course, there's Andrew Webster. But there's just – there's not a pool of them, is there? I mean, if I, I would you, – you, these players hang off every word Adam Reynolds said. And the whole move to him from South Sydney has been great for him, I think. We knew – I know he grew up there and he played his footy in the lame ways, that beautiful story you wrote in 2018, Dean. Um, but – to get away to buy a property up here at Bunya where his kids can run around. And the size of his house up here is as big as the size of his property when he used to live down Redfern Way. So, but, 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 and may I just say too, that is a secret weapon of the Dolphins' recruitment. I'm telling you, you know, Mark Nichols bought a house 774 square metres uh, for 800,000 down uh, the Peninsula Way. Uh, four bedrooms, like the, the Dolphins are up. I know they might miss out on Jack Whiten, but they living down there, all, all the players are loving it. Jeremy Marshall, King and these guys, mm. where you can get a bit of bang for your buck with your dollars. Their wives are happy. Their kids are happy. So the players are happy. Yeah, it makes a massive difference. And, and the Cowboys back in the winner's circle, so to speak, last night. Sometimes crash, you just got to win ugly, haven't you? They have, but still unimpressive yeah, for mine. Yeah. I, 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 there's been a flatness about them this season. If you said one standout reason, they had a million guys involved in the World Cup for mm. different nations, and they let them off the leash a little bit, thinking, oh, they've had a big off-season, will be slow. And they haven't regained their rhythm since then. And it's so disappointing. Their attacks almost like they're running through treacle at times. It seems slow. And it was so good last year. So... I know they beat Newcastle last night, but boy, oh boy, in front of a home crowd, they had to scrape every ounce out of what they had to get there. I'm still very concerned about their season. They're nowhere near what they were last season. I know they won last night. Yeah, good on them, but a lot of improvement left. Yeah, it's bizarre. They were so good last year. Maybe that's the turning point. We'll wait and see. A lot of excitement about Queensland football at the moment. A lot of excitement about the Ashes coming up, Crash. We really appreciate you coming on and giving your take on the Ashes squad and the countdown's begun. Pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Crash. Thanks, Crash Craddock, and uh, uh, he loves his cricket probably more than us, Dino. And uh, it, It makes sense to me. Travis Head's so important in that batting lineup, coming in at five. If Australia were three for 150, he can take a game away from the opposition. If Australia were three for 50, he can do it anyway. Yeah, no, he'll play an enormous role in our bid to uh, grab the Ashes. Warner's the big one, though, for me, Ray. I think, as Crash said, if he can get a 40 or 50 in that test championship, uh, that will set him up for at least the first two tests. We just don't want to be going into an Ashes with Mm. a million question marks and a million headlines over our opener. Tipping we might. We better take a quick break. Listen to Dino and Ray in the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Skipped breakfast. Carmel from Gyrus text. When she grew up, you knew people were rich when they had the colour telly. Prime TV and ABC were the only channels I remember when I was about five on our TV. Well, we, we had seven, nine and ten. Someone just had to hold the aerial in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> you sneezed, you lost channel nine. <laughs> the Big Sports Breakfast. Weekdays from 5.30 on Sky Sports Radio. Pick your favourite Kia, from the award-winning Kia Sportage to the street-cred delivering Kia Seltos, or Kia's most powerful car ever, the all-electric EV6 GT. Book a test drive today to find your chosen one. Find out more at kia.com.au or drop into your nearest Kia dealer. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Get live racing on tap with the Tap app. See every earth-shattering race live. With not one, not two, but all three Sky Racing channels. Plus tips from Sky experts. And a bit of this. This too. Some of this. And this. For all three Sky Racing channels on tap, download the Tap app. What's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. G'day, it's Sean Garlic here from Garlow's Pies. The best thing about our pies is the deliciously flaky pastry on top, a bottom which is rolled extra thin, and a filling which is bursting with flavour. Plenty of flavours to choose from, like lean beef, curry beef, sausage rolls. We even have junior pies that you can give to the whole family. Find us in the Coles and Woolworths chilled meals section. And if you can't find us, ask for us by name. Garlow's Pies, we're thin on pastry, we're big on meat. He's in now, and he bowls to Oliveira, and Oliveira has edged his core behind. It's another hat-trick for Tom Price. Extraordinary day for the young man. A century in Gloucestershire's innings, and now he has got a hat-trick. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. And welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. That wouldn't have happened very often, Dino. A hundred and a hat-trick. The same game. Same game. How good is that? Extraordinary. That might get our um, experts checking the Tom will no doubt check record books to see what's going on. I reckon the, our golfing enthusiasts will be checking the record books because Taylor Gooch is absolutely shooting the lights out at the Grange in the Live Golf Tournament. He's 20 under after 36 holes. He's got a 10-shot lead going into the final round, but it's been fascinating to watch the live caravan roll into Adelaide. Our man on the ground there, Adam Pengilly, is there for the final round. Adam, good morning. Can thanks for joining us, mate. Can you give us a sense of uh, of what live golf is about? And because from what I've seen on the highlights and on social media, the place is buzzing. The Grange. Yeah, morning, Ray. Morning, Doggy. It's it's been absolutely buzzing, Ray, all week. To be honest, there's so many people out here watching. Lives first foray into Australia. Lots of people having a great time. They've got this party hole set up on the on the twelfth, the par three twelfth, which they call a watering hole. And I, I actually spent about an hour and a half or two hours out yesterday just observing and watching watching what goes on. And as the guys sort of walk through this tunnel to the twelfth tee, they have their walk on music play. They have these big flashing boards with their names on the uh, on the boards, introducing who they are, and what they play for, and they have these songs they they play as they as they go there. And the crowd just goes nuts. It's incredible, right? So. I don't know, golf's been going through a bit of a revolution, obviously, the last 12 months to 12 to 18 months with Greg Norman and this concept. But I think Liv have finally got some traction, like half a world away from the United States down here in Australia, because no doubt this has been the most successful event they've hosted so far. Adam, do you think other golfers who maybe with the PGA might look at this and think, you know what, I wouldn't mind being involved in this. I wouldn't mind having a crack, having a bit of fun. And uh, travelling the, the world a bit more. Wouldn't mind the paycheck. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a really fascinating question, Doggy, because so far uh, in Liv's short history, they've, they've struggled to get a lot of traction in the United States. So in terms of crowds, they've probably been fairly moderate. They've had very, very small viewing figures on the CW network, which they signed a, a broadcast deal with earlier this year. So it hasn't really got the traction in the United States that I think they would, probably would have hoped. But outside of the United States... In places like Australia, in places like Latin America and South America, in places like Asia, it's slowly getting some momentum because we just don't get to see top-class mm. golfers like this, do we? And, and we're finally getting the likes of you know Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson coming down to play a tournament in our own backyard. And 
and that's why the interest is there. So, so I suppose to answer your question, Doggy, it's, it's a really interesting one because the PGA, in response to Live, have announced a change to their schedule for the next or have a long period by having these elevated events, yeah. which virtually give priority to their top players you know, on the FedEx Cup standings, which is going to leave a lot of guys who are sort of outside that top 50 or top 70 on the PGA Tour in a little bit of no man's land, so to speak. So I can see a lot of those sort of second tier guys over in the, on the PGA Tour looking at Live now saying, hey, why not? If I'm not going to be able to get entry into some of the better events on the PGA Tour, why wouldn't I go and play with Liv and, and play a 14-event season, get guaranteed checks, and, and try and make a living that way? It's fascinating, isn't it, Adam? And I know you were at the Masters um, at Augusta earlier this month. Can you tell us there about what what the, the interaction was like between the Liv golf players and the US PGA players? Yeah, it was it was fine, Ray, to be yeah. honest. I, I don't think there was as much drama or, I suppose, tension as what was built out before the start of the start of the week. I, listen, these guys are golfers. They, yeah. they play for paychecks. They play for money. They understand if a guy wants to leave a PGA Tour and, and go play live and probably double or triple his earnings for a potential three years, that, that's part of the gig. They've got to look after their families. Whether you agree with what they're doing or not, that's fine. So I think it was great to see those 18 live players mm. They got Augusta National for the week. There wasn't any major issues in the PGA Tour stars, and they just played a golf tournament, and, and that's how it was. And they always put the Masters on a pedestal. They think the Masters tournament's bigger than anything else that's going on in golf, any of the pettiness. And it was a really enjoyable week, I must, I must say, over at Augusta. Adam, where to next for Liv? Obviously, the Australian uh, event will wind up uh, today. What's mm. next? Where do they head to next? They're on a plane tomorrow, Doggy, because they're playing in Singapore next week. So they're, while they're down in this part of the world, they want to try and play back-to-back events to, so I suppose, lessen the travel burden. So they'll finish that event at the Grange here in Adelaide a little bit later today. I think they'll have a bit of a, I suppose, a wind-down night tonight. There's going to be a fair few drinks flowing. Then on a plane tomorrow morning, heading straight to Singapore to play the next event. And I suppose this is the question that's been on everyone's lips this week is, given the success of the Adelaide event so far, given we've had sold-out crowds every day, 20, 25,000 people coming through the gates, the, the corporate interest in the event, do we now play two events in Australia back to back to try and capitalise on that? Because Mad if they don't it's come to Sydney, come to Melbourne. Market's here, Adam, isn't it? Obvious. Absolutely, absolutely, boys. And Greg Norman and the Live executives are giving it some serious thought. They haven't locked in the schedule for next year yet for 2024, and they're trying to keep it as fluid as possible. But mm. how, how could you not have another event in Australia after the success of this week? Like, I suppose then it's a question about where does it go? Like, I don't think it'd go to Melbourne because the Victorian government's quite closely aligned to the PGA Tour. Sydney. Is, is possibly a chance. Probably the biggest issue in Sydney is, and it sounds quite strange to say this, is trying to have a golf course that's capable of hosting an event like Live. It's not just having a, a, a good golf course for the guys to play on, but from a logistics point of view, getting crowds in and out, being able to truck in all the infrastructure they need. And I don't know if I've got any courses in Sydney that actually handle the, the, the massive pressure, the pressure logistics we put on a, on a course. And I, I dare say that if we're going to have another event in Australia, it's probably going to go to Queensland because A, they've probably got a couple of courses up there that could handle it, and B, Cameron Smith is the, I suppose, the poster boy, if I want to put it in those terms, to live, and he'll have some sort of influence over about where he wants the event to be played. And given his ties to Queensland, I'm sure he'll say, listen, guys, let's bring it to Queensland, have it on the Gold Coast of Brisbane, and let's make it a really big event up, up there. Yeah, it makes sense, Adam. Just finally, Adam, you mentioned Cameron Smith, and a lot has been made of his appearance in Adelaide. He's been, as you said, the poster boy for the tournament. But 
it's a one-man show going into the final round. Taylor Gooch, <laughs> 10 shots in front. Do you believe it? It's phenomenal, Ray. He shot back-to-back 62s, like 10 under 62s. He hasn't, he hasn't made a bogey yet in 36 holes, mm. and he's just looked absolutely flawless. And, and to be fair, the golf course is not a long golf course down here at the Grange. Like, it's, it's a course where guys can, can get at it fairly easily, but you need to control your ball and have it in the right spot because it can be fairly narrow. So he's just played absolutely impeccable golf. He's actually, funny story, he's actually got an Australian caddy, a guy by the name of Mal Baker, who he's worked with for many, many years. And Mal's been talking to him about coming back down to Australia for this first live event down here. And, and Taylor actually said in his press conference yesterday, he's been a massive help with him, help, uh, helping him read the greens and judging his putting. So that's been giving him a little bit of an insight. So I suppose from the individual standings point of view, the race is almost over. Basically, he's going to win unless he has an absolute collapse. But... What Liver China put a lot of currency on is their team standing and the mm. team of team concept, and that's still very uh, well and truly up for grabs today. So I'm sure that's going to be a lot of the focus today, and hopefully for Taylor Sakey and Lee, his, his team, the Range Goats. Can you believe the name? The Range Goats home in the team standing. It's a lot of things are different about Live Golf, but that's what makes it such compulsive viewing. Hey, Adam, I know you've got a big day today. I really appreciate you taking some time for us this morning to set the scene for the final round and let us know what's happening in Adelaide. And enjoy the final round, mate. Thanks, boys. Have a good day. Thanks, Adam. There's Adam Pengilly at the Grange for the final round of the inaugural Live Golf Tournament in Australia. And I think he's right. There'll be another tournament added to that schedule very, very soon. Coming up next, Tanya with a sports update. On the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend, a sports update with Tanya Thomas. A desperately needed win for North Queensland in last night's NRL game in Townsville. In a fast and frenetic finish, the Cowboys beat Newcastle 18-16. At a course stadium, Cronulla 33 beat Canterbury 20. Sharks captain Nico Hines said, though, he is glad they won. It still wasn't good enough. Today, the Dolphins and the Gold Coast play at two West Tigers and Manly at 4.05. The Roosters and St George Illawarra meet on Tuesday at 4.05 at a sold-out Allianz Stadium. Melbourne and the Warriors play at seven at Amy Park. Canberra has the bye. Champion jockey Nash Rorilla almost snared a Group 3 treble at yesterday's Hawkesbury standalone meeting. Rorilla was at his brilliant best on Hawaii 5-0 in the Hawkesbury Guineas and Princess Grace in the Hawkesbury Crown before finishing second in the Hawkesbury Gold Cup on Desert Icon. Stablemate New Mandate won the race, both trained by Chris Waller. Malkovich won the Hawkesbury Gold Rush and Godolphin's unbeaten juvenile filly Zardozzi won the Clarendon Stakes. A big win for Geelong over Sydney in the AFL game in Geelong last night. The Cats won by 93 points, 130-37, to their biggest winning margin over the Swans since 1994. Brisbane 108-8 beat GWS 87 and Port Adelaide 109 over West Coast 69. Final round today of the Live Golf at the Grange in Adelaide. Taylor Gooch is miles in front at 20 under. And then there's six in a tie for second at 10 under, including Brooks Kepka, Charles Schwarzer and Pat Perez. Cam Smith is a further shot back at nine under in a tie for eight. Meanwhile, Angel Lynn and Alison Corpers lead after the third round of the Chevron Championships. The women's major in Texas both are at 10 under and lead by one shot. Socceroos striker Jamie McLaren scored a hat-trick in Melbourne City's 3-1 win over Western United last night. His hat-trick gives him the all-time A-League record of 143 goals, breaking Bessar Barisha's previous record of 142. Also yesterday, the Central Coast beat Newcastle 3-1. 
The Blues defeated an understrength Waratahs 55-21 at a wet Eden Park yesterday in Super Rugby Pacific. Due to injury and the Wallabies' controversial resting protocols, the Tars went into the match without 12 of their frontline players. In the other match, the Western Force 30 beat the Highlanders 17. In Super Netball, the Swifts have jumped to equal second on the table after a come-from-behind one-point win over the Melbourne Vixens in Sydney 67-66. NBA Conference playoffs overnight. Philadelphia 86 beat the Brooklyn Nets 78, giving the 76ers a 4-0 win, and therefore they go through to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Still with the Eastern Conference in Milwaukee and Miami, that game just begun. It's Game 3. The series is locked at 1-all. In the Western Conference this morning, the Phoenix Suns 112 beat the LA Clippers 100. Phoenix lead the series 3-1. Mo Salah scored the winning goal in Liverpool's 3-2 EPL win over Nottingham Forest at Anfield overnight, boosting their hopes of a Champions League place. The Reds sit in seventh spot. In other games, Fulham 2 leads 1, Brentford and Aston Villa 1 all, Crystal Palace and Everton nil all, Leicester 2, Wolves 1. Meanwhile, Wrexham, a semi-professional National League team made famous because of its famous owners, actors Ryan Reynolds and Rod Rob McElhenney, and a documentary series based on the building of the team called Welcome to Wrexham. They had a 3-1 win over Boreham Wood Boys to win the National League title and gain promotion to the fourth-tier professional league, also known as League Two. It's their first time back in the pro ranks in 15 years. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been an extraordinary story. I think they bought the team back in 2020. And it's put them on the map, seriously, mm. particularly with the documentary series, which is on Disney+. Plus. Um, but Ryan Reynolds, and, I, I, and I'm not the only one who has trouble saying his name, mm. Rob McElhenney, and Paul Rudd, the other actor, he was there for the match last night. They've been at a lot of matches, okay. the owners. So they, they're not just, you know, just going in and, and just taking off. They, they've been a part of building of the team. Investing. Everything, investing a lot of money behind the scenes and really being there. You see photos of him and of Ryan Reynolds and his wife, Blake Lively, who are two absolute megastars in the world of entertainment. And, and they're there. Wrexham quite, games. Yeah, <laughs> quite often. A bit so, like when Elton John bought Watford 10. Yeah, but the, I would say say that you know these two are, are far more involved mm. however they with their mini their um, documentary series that sort of has brought you know more shot shone a lot of light on onto the team but um, they've become that famous within months of them buying the team the team became the first minor league side to feature on the FIFA video game in the rest of the world category. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so there were tears and hugging and the, the pitch was, you know, everyone was running onto the pitch and flares were going. It was it's an, it was an enormous, enormous mm. moment. Um, during the year, Will Ferrell, Hugh Jackman um, have been to games and a lot of American tourists are going there now to watch the games because they've seen the documentary series. And... That, and what that yeah. does, it's, yeah, exactly. What that does is they will use that um, as uh, an entrance into seeing the rest of North Wales. Yeah, you know that's promotion that they they couldn't possibly couldn't possibly pay for. Amazing. Yeah, so um, that was the fir the first series or uh, says already aired. The second series is filming. 
Um, and Ryan Reynolds was worried, you know, what are we going to put in the second series? Well, now, obviously, they've mm. got a, a great finish to it, which is apparently could come back on about in August sometime. But um, I'll leave the last word to Ryan Reynolds when he said, this was the most dramatic thing I have ever seen in my life. I couldn't watch. I'm never going to be the same again. <laughs> Isn't that Dan, amazing? Dan, did I hear you say the Waratahs have a resting policy? It's – no, the um, – the, 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 oh, I've got a mental blank. What's the Australian rugby team called? The Wallabies. Wallabies. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you said Waratahs. No, yeah, um, I was just reading in the paper, I think it was Julian Linden, who said, yeah, they, they do. They, they have a resting – and then they have this big break because he was saying how – um, they wonder why they don't do well at the World the World Cups because there's that massive gap in between mm. you know the series yep. and and the World Cup. But they yeah they they apparently all of the Wallabies players have to be rested during the season. So That's the Waratahs have injuries and they have to rest a few players. And the Tars are two and two from eight. They're running yeah. tenth. It's becoming embarrassing and they're resting players. And Work that out. Getting flogged by fifty. Makes yeah. any sense. I shake my head. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tan. We'll take a quick break. Coming up next will be Phil Buzz Rothfield. Tools it away. Cleared away again. We are seconds away now. I make it almost time. The final whistle goes. And the loudest race course roar for a generation will tell you Wrexham are back in the Football League. Wherever you are in New South Wales, Sky Sports Radio's there too. On Wilcania, 98.3 FM. Dunny Dude, 87.6 FM. Cobart, 104.5 FM. And Binaway, 87.6 FM. Experience city class racing country style at the Cup It's the richest country racing carnival in Australia. With over $2 million on offer across two fantastic days in May. Highlighted by the Darley Scone Cup and the Group 3 Emirates Park Dark Jewel. With fashions on the field of Bjorn again live after the last race on Saturday, it's the Country Cup Carnival not to be missed. The Darley Scone Cup Carnival. They brought a global interest to this club. Rob Henny is in tears. The eyes of the world are on this part of Wales. But everybody now knows next season, it's not Wheelstone, it's Walsall for Wrexham. They are back where they belong in the Football League. And it's quite fitting as the pitch is covered in smoke that it's Paul Mullins double, the master marksman who's got them there. They've done it on the night. Let the party begin. It's finished. Wrexham three, Borenwood one. Welcome to Wrexham, says the Football League next season. Where do you go for all the biggest and best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue? Totally Workwear Bridal Me. With the temperature cooling, now is the time to get in store and check out the massive range of pants, jackets and jumpers. Just what you need to keep warm this winter. Does your workwear branding need a freshen up? Get in store and talk to Darren and the team. Open till 7pm every weekday. Totally Workwear Bridal Me. 279 Victoria Road, opposite Bunnings and Maccas. Your one-stop winter workwear shop. You know the feeling when your mate's golf ball flies past yours? Or when you're on the green in regulation, but he holds it from the bunker? At Drummond Golf, we get it. 
That's why we have our lowest price guarantee. As Australia's biggest, you can count on our massive buying power for the lowest prices in golf. But if you do happen to find a lower advertised price, we'll beat it. The Drummond Golf lowest price guarantee. Unbeatable. Conditions apply. Deliciously flaky pastry on top of bottom, which is rolled extra thin and a filling of 100% lean Aussie beef. Yes, I'm talking about Garlo's pies, the only pies you should be putting on your plate. Garlo's pies are simply bursting with flavour and there's heaps of flavours to choose from. Here's a thought, Ray. Mm-hmm. Take a night off from cooking and grab a Garlo's family pie for the whole crew. They are available in all Coles and Woolworths stores. And remember, we are located in the chilled meals section. If you can't find us, ask for Garlo's pies by name. Garlo's pies, they're thin on pastry, but they're big on meat. Now Hawksby. Locked down by Murphy. Here's Hunter. Dumont spills it. Haley, it's in. And in the 89th minute, Madison Haley was on the spot. And Sydney FC have one foot in the grand final. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. And welcome back to the show. Phil Buzz Rothfield joins us now. Buzz, good morning. I'm not sure if you heard us earlier, but... But the hip drop controversy, it's got Dino baffled. It's got a lot of our yeah. listeners baffled. Buzz, can you make out what is going on here? Look, Ray and Dog, good morning. Um, I've listened to Michael Ennis, Cooper Cronk, Matt Johns, the commentary team at Channel 9, try to explain to us what it's all about and... I'm more confused than I've ever been. <laughs> but the facade is, what, what did you think of the... I, I thought Payne Haas, uh, we go to consistency mm. here, I thought he should have gone the other night. Do you, Dog? For oh, consistency purposes? For consistency, yes. Was it a hip drop? Yeah. It's debatable. But what I'm saying is, and this is what's making me angry, because suppo- I've been supporting it all along because the ratings are good, fans are loving it, sell out crowds. But it's when something happens like the Payne Haas one, which was almost identical to a lot of others this year, a bit different, and he doesn't go. And then the next day, the match review Mm. committee grab him. So they should have been reduced to 11 men. The match review committee are saying that. And if they'd been reduced to 11 men, Parramatta could have come home over the top and won that game. So we've got a number of issues here that are boiling over from this crackdown. I just and it's concerned. not just... Sorry? Sorry, Buzz. I'm just concerned, though, that, as I said to Ray earlier, gravity takes people to the ground. doesn't always mean that... I mean, if they're going to pin people for the hip drops that we saw in Darwin, there could be four or five hip drops every round. We'll have no players left. The thing I'm struggling to cope with, guys, is that I haven't seen one that's deliberate. Have you? Have you seen a deliberate attempt to... You know, in the last this season. Well, I would certainly hope not, Buzz. No one goes out there to deliberately injure. So, so what I'm saying is, rugby league defence. It's such a game of desperation, and you know what? If a player, you know, sells a dummy or and goes through, you, you you know, you're going to risk giving up tries if you don't take every action possible to bring a player down. Mm. Sadly, though. There have been a number of players seriously injured this year from the tackle. But the NRL have got themselves in a position where I think they've gone over the top to get it out of the game. 
And the NRL has a really, really long history, and we saw it in Magic Round a couple of years ago, starting a crackdown, calling it off and giving it up, and we go back to the way we were. This time they're showing more and more resilience, and they don't want to back off. But I agree with you, Pup. It's, it's, it's driving me mad. I, I, I love the game this year, but I could do without, you know... 12-man sides, reduce the sim bin to five minutes maybe, keep them on the field and allow, like we used to, and, and allow at the end of the weekend the match review committee to go through the videos and determine if they'd seen any and then issue a note, issue a, what we used to call a sighting. Is that a better way? And just Absolutely. Let, Absolutely, Buzz. Let the match review committee do their job. Unless it's a blatant act of thuggery, then leave them on the field, for goodness sake. Yeah. You know what, Buzz? I said to Ray before, I said, I think they're, to the credit, the NRL is trying to eradicate injuries, but you can't eradicate every possibility of an injury during a football game. game. It's too hard, it's too fast, it's too physical. So trying to get rid of all the injuries, it's it's Mm. not logistically or feasibly possible. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I know what you're saying. And look, I thought there was a bit over the top up there in Darwin and it was all inconsistent too. Because look, this Campbell Graham, how long is he out for? Uh, not Campbell Get, Graham, Regan Campbell. Get eight up. to how 12 weeks. There goes Origin. Yeah, I, Shocking for para. Did, did that tackle cause it? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But was it an accident? More than likely. Mm-hmm. But was it careless? Was it reckless? You know, there's so much to I I don't. I don't envy the the people in the bunker who are making... Look, the referee, it's too hard for them to pick it up on the spot, but then you've got the people in the bunker making really, really critical decisions. But they don't have a lot of time either to wait up, do they? We all blow up when they take too long. Yeah, no, it's it's such a vexed issue though, isn't it, Buzz? Well, just on that game then, the Broncos, their first half, I know they got the bounce of the ball, rubber the green, but... I think I was texting you and Dino. Too big, too fast, too strong for the Eels. They looked the real deal, the Broncos. What, what, what is, what's your take on them, Buzz? Yeah, I reckon they're good enough to play in the grand final this year. Wow. That's what I think of them, and particularly with Payne Haas and Carrigan holding that forward pack together. Are they just about the two number one middle forwards in rugby league at the moment? And they're laying the platform, and uh, that, that's a sense. And Adam Reynolds is going sensational, isn't he? Reese mm. Walsh, Staggs, Farmworth, Cobbo, Ezra Mand, you, you just go through that. They're, they're an outstanding rugby league side. Incredible story that Kerry Walters, who I had under pressure with a few other coaches at the beginning of the year, is just doing a terrific job, isn't he? And look, I've got no doubt. You look at the most... They're leading the competition table for a reason. And I think they learnt last year that um, they've got to play for, what is it, 24, 25, 26 rounds, you know? And uh, I think South, Penrith and the Broncos are, are probably the, the biggest dangers at this stage. Buzz, in your What's the Buzz column in today's Sunday Telegraph, you had an interesting story about Bozo's son, mm. Brett, being assaulted at a game. Can you run us through that story, please? Yeah, that's that's a really unsavoury story, Bulldog. Um, Brett Fulton is coach of Manly's SG Ball side, and they took him up to Newcastle to play the Knights. I think SG Ball's what it's under 19s now. And um, look, 
being a Fulton, I, I think um, I think Brett was a bit loud on the sideline, but an opposing father from uh, one of the Knights players came across and whacked him in the head. Totally, totally unacceptable. They tell me Brett Fulton had to show enormous restraint not to turn it into an incident that could have got totally out of hand. Credit to Dave Trodden and his staff at the New South Wales Rugby League. They've quickly investigated. They've identified the person. They've kicked him out of any form of rugby league for 12 months. He was charged uh, with a, with, a, with assault. Um, he behaved, according to the charge sheet, in a way contrary to the conduct and spirit of the game. And uh, Rugby League will not miss people like him who um, who behave like that on the sideline. Hey, Buzz, I'm glad you put this in your column today because um, we're quick to criticise the Eels players for not um, getting involved with their fans and signing autographs, etc. post-game. They did so at, at the Bulldogs game recently. I think I, I rang you after the game and said, look, yep. they're, they're totally different. Um, they're out on the field for the best part of half an hour, even longer. Um, and seeing more and more clubs doing this now, and it's great because... You see the look on children's eyes when their heroes come across and get a selfie, sign yep. their jump or whatever. It is just great interaction with the fans. Yeah. Guys, my thought to this, Fox Sports cover eight games a weekend and they do a sensational job and everyone's got the great TV now, the flat screen from Harvey Norman. And it's so tempting to stay at home to watch your consume your rugby league every weekend. One of the, the reason you go to the football is to support mm. your team, to enjoy the atmosphere, to have a pie and a beer. But at the end of the game, to have that opportunity to get up close and personal with your heroes. Mm. The fans just love it. So it's nearly their favourite part of going to the game, just yeah. to touch them or do a selfie or get an autograph or whatever. And Para haven't been very good at this, uh, but they were great the other night. And I really appreciate your call. You know, they've made a big effort to do things better for the rest of the year. They were great up in the Northern Territory this yep. year, spreading the rugby league message. All week there. Yeah, <clears> so. Another really good story, mate. And look, Canterbury uh, winger, Josh Adokar, great character. As you know, he's in a moon boot mm. and um, he's, you know, and he's struggling to, you know, in headspace. It's a really unfortunate long-term injury, but he was in the car park at yep. Combank Stadium for 20 minutes with his knee and his ankle in the boot um, signing autographs. I can vouch for that because we saw him. We were stuck, stuck in the car park, Buzz, and I think the one reason why I rang you and he was walking or trying to walk across, to, <coughs> hobbling across to his car and he got absolutely mobbed and he stayed there and took every photograph, signed every um, autograph he wanted to, every selfie. It, it was just great stuff and people getting out of their cars to go and meet him and introduce themselves and it was tremendous, but I thought, well, good on him. You know, uh, yeah. okay, I, I saw him down at the Cronulla Mall, mm-hmm. and um, he, he liked to hang around down here a bit. And um, what was he doing in the mall? Signing autographs, doing selfies. There you go. Great ambassador for rugby league. Yep. Buzz, another item in your well-read column, the BSB, the very studio we're sitting right yeah. now, plus the BSB weekend. Ray, I, and the entire team, all of us, we're going national. Oh, we've been unleashed, have we? How good is that, guys? It is cool. So they can hear our dulcet tones in Adelaide and Hobart soon. 
Yeah, I think it's a really great thing for the show, isn't it? And it's a reward for all the people who've worked really hard. And, um, you know, it, it's rating well. It's it's clearly beating its opposition at SEN and um, in the latest survey as well. And you know, I think um, people in those states are, are really going to enjoy it. And, and it's a good thing for rugby league too because it's a much, a very much a rugby league and racing show. But in those other states, it's just spreading the word of our game in AFL states. And anything publicity like that or just hearing gibberish talk about it like we are, (laughs) that's what I regard ourselves as, just having a bit of fun and talking footy, uh, it's going to be great. Phil, you're a national talent. You shouldn't be pigeonholed just to the East Coast. (laughs) You reckon I am, Doc? Yes. I think you're an international talent. I reckon I could safely walk down the street of Melbourne Perth, Adelaide, Burnie, Perth, Hobart, Port Hedland, Darwin, and no one would care. Or, or, no, you'd be surprised. Right, you're a national talent. No. You're, you're, didn't the didn't the guy from St Helens say that he watches you in England, Buzz? <laughs> yeah, he, he loves does, you, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. He and look, um, take the show. cheeks national. I say, take those red <laughs> oh, cheeks yeah. national. Well, they're not red on television, you goose, because they pass the makeup all over. It. So exactly. I look reasonably normal, as normal as I can be on TV. Well, one thing we do do on this show, Buzz, we try and help people back a winner, and and you're usually pretty close to the money with your your tips. So we've got four games to complete the Anzac Day round. It's been a great round of footy so far. Dolphins Gold Coast this afternoon is the two p.m. game. Four o five p.m. West Tigers versus Manny, and then on Tuesday these two huge clashes. Buzz Roosters versus Dragons at 4:05 p.m. The 7 p.m. game is the Storm versus Warriors on Tuesday. Who's your tips in each of these four games, Buzz? Well, I'm tipping the Titans today. I've been reasonably impressed with them. Uh, the Dolphins have been playing strong too. I just think the Titans can get them, and okay. um, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm quite confident there. Look, probably a slight danger game for Manly, but if they play anywhere like they did against Melbourne Storm last start. They will blow the West Tigers off the park. But they do have to turn up. We saw what happened when they were below their best against Newcastle. Um, where was that in uh, Mudgee? A couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, now, ball. you yeah. are going to think I have gone totally cuckoo, but I am tipping the St. George Illawarra Dragons wow. to knock off the Roosters wow. at Arlene Stadium. Gee. I don't think their form is as bad as it looks on the scoreboard. That Canberra side they played last week was coming off the back of a magnificent win over the Broncos. And if the Dragons players can get some of those dumb, dumb mistakes out of their game, they're a slight hope. They're a good hope. Mm. The Roosters have been horribly disappointing in recent weeks. I'm not a fan of dropping Sam Walker. It's nice to get Manu with more hand, more time with the football, but I'm not a fan. I think the Dragons can upset them. Melbourne Storm Warriors, great game to wrap up the round. Great occasion in Melbourne. I think the Storm will win. Terrific. Hey, Buzz, appreciate it as always. Thanks for your contributions on our Sunday show, and we'll do it again next Sunday, mate. Good on you, fellas. Thanks, Talk Buzz. Soon. There's Phil Buzz fine. Rothfield. Hey, Dean, we're running out of time. Just quickly, your tips on these four games next couple of days? Uh, yeah, I think the Gold Coast will win. I think Manly will win. I think the Roosters will win. And I think the Melbourne Storm will win. Coming up on Racing HQ with Grant 
Boyden. Graham White will preview the meeting at Wagga. And Gary Cleesey will look at Port Macquarie. The Big Sports Breakfast is back tomorrow morning at 5.30. And if you'd like to revisit any of today's show or interviews, go to Spotify or the podcast icon on your iPhone or Android. Go on, Dino. Another three hours has flown by. That's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Ray. Go on, Emmett. Enjoy your Sunday, everybody. And enjoy your sport.